Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date, Star Trek Edition! Chapter 11. I was going to say, it's the only one, the only Star Trek Edition that there is or has ever been, but now it's I'm, week 11. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. I, I That's not for the viewers, that's for you, just in case you forgot. I know who you is. Alright, I'm Matthew, and you are Judah. This is the Star Trek Edition of Brother Date, the podcast, Chapter 11. Just wanted to recap the re- the intro. It was a recap intro. <clears throat> uh, what do we watch this week? What's going on? The Big Silent Vortex is the name of this week. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, uh. So one thing I want to say before yeah. we start with the episodes because it's not long enough. We are flying uh, blind this week. We do not have notes from Ben. Oh, oh boy, he missed the deadline. He didn't get him in in time. I think he, you know, he expects us to have delays every once in a while, and this one was too regular for yep. him. <clears throat> well, it's pretty regular. We'll have to do without his sage guidance. Yep. It's, so it's just you and me, or as I like to think of it, one less window I have to keep open. Do you suppose Ben has ever talked us up or down on points? I'm not sure. I think it generally has not happened. Okay. He didn't. He didn't talk us down to Miri, the episode he hated the most so far. It's not personal. I think it's just something about him not being on the spreadsheet makes it so that it's, it's just not... His, his influence is not felt. <clears throat> he's on the spreadsheet. He's all the way on the right. Oh. I just list which episode he picked as oh. his favorite. Okay, that's fine then. But he's there. He's immortalized. Matthew, this week we watched The Menagerie Part 1. The Enterprise diverts to Starbase 11 at the request of Fleet Captain Pike, who has been gravely injured. Except he he didn't request it. Because right. Spock is stealing the ship Data style. Yep. Taking it on a death penalty joyride. Also, it's uh, all the footage from the failed pilot. Yep. Yeah, I um, I actually watched the pilot. The f- went before we started this because on Netflix it's it's the first one listed. So I I watched the cage and then I watched the man trap when we first started this project. So it's this, this was all still fairly fresh in my memory because that was only half a year ago or what? <laughs> That's exactly right. It was only much longer ago than it should have been. Uh yeah. Uh well, let's jump in. Um, loyalty will drive a man or even a half man. To extreme measures. Uh, <clears throat> right? Isn't that what this is about? Loyalty? Spock's loyalty yeah. to Fleet Captain Pike? So, 
So we know, right, using inside information, that what this is really about is they didn't want this pilot to go to waste. They filmed it. They filmed it. There was a captain who I kind of had forgotten already all the stuff about how he didn't really like being the captain. That's right. That's his arc. That um, was interesting. Uh, and they had a lady, number one. That's right. Who, in the first in the first part, the episode that we watched this week, basically has no lines or part to play. But she does look sad sitting on the bridge. She looks really sad that she can't go... Al- along onto the away mission to save the um, crash survivors that they think are on Talos 4. That's right. This is... um, This is before the white gold concordant that made um, worshipping Talos 4 illegal. That's correct. (laughs) It is before the white gold concordant. Skyrim! Um, However, Mm. uh, this episode is like half framing device. This is not... Uh, this is not like clip show level. That in order to to jam ram jam this pilot into Star Trek, they knew they were going to have to do a lot of work. Yes. So you're uh, you're 100 percent right that the 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 framing device is about loyalty. Okay. Right. So what I had written was personal loyalty can demand more than professional loyalty. Sometimes more than your life is worth. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Dude's uh, not only risking his own life, but Kirk's life, apparently. Uh, he's risking at, Kirk's command. At, at the very least, his command, but I don't know. Mendez, our old friend Jose, I'm so glad he showed up. It's, it's not the same guy. Wait, it isn't? No. He's a diff. There's two Jose's. Yeah, hold on. Right. Let me let me like, get the exact like, line from the man trap. I don't like this at all. There's two Jose's. This is garbage. One, um, all right, fine, you're being inclusive. Two is really overboard. Right, so you you are talking about... Um, God damn it. I know what's in here is one of the memorable quotes. <laughs> about how Jose's going to get his uh, chilies. You're talking about base commander Dominguez. Oh! Who says that uh, they have supplies that he urgently needs, to which... Kirk says, tell Jose he'll get his chili peppers when we get there. Oh, tell boy. him they're prime Mexican reds. I handpicked them myself. Oh, boy. But he won't die if he goes a few more days without them. <laughs> Which is, it's a oh, it's a wow. shitty line in and of itself. It's uh, some real casual racism, but it will forever live in my heart because of the way the very first time we tried to watch Star Trek, Katie's ears <laughs> perked up at the mention of base commander Dominguez. Oh, like, defeat. all right, they... They got a Latino base commander. Only to be, I think we both heard it as space commander Dominguez. Doesn't matter. Oh, only to be immediately let down it, by how casually. Immediately racist. tell Jose he'll get his chili peppers. <laughs> it's like, oh, never mind. We're right back where we opened. Uh, so this is this is Commodore. Not, oh, not base commander Jose wow. Mendez. I'm blown away that they had two Jose's in season one. It's a different. It's a different Jose in a position of authority. Well, that's on me then. That's on yeah. me. This I one's a lot better. So far, they haven't said dick about him being Hispanic. Except that his name is Jose Mendez. They have not like said anything stereotypically. Racist. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't even have such as a big mustache or a sombrero. I, I was going to say both of those things. Like they haven't done shit. He's they not wearing a space speedy, poncho or nothing. They haven't speedy Gonzalez this guy in the least. All right. Well, that's which good. must have been. It must have been so hard for them. Like, can you? Let's let's assume that Gene Roddenberry wanted to be inclusive racially. Yeah. Uh it 
there must have been set decorators who were like, oh, this guy's playing Jose Mendez. <laughs> okay, well, let's put a let's get him a serape. <laughs> and then I'm sure, like, it must have been a fight every step of the way not to be racist. Anyway, they had to cut out guy. the line. That's like saying you can have black beans without rice. Uh, different guy, so now you're the racist. Yeah. Yep, that's on me. Um, but yeah, uh, that guy seems to indicate that possibly even more than Kirk's career is on the line. It's not clear. So, but he I may just be trying to leverage Spock. I don't know. We might as well. We might as well get to the stupidest part of this episode. Uh, it turns out that in the space future, yeah. in the Federation, the only death penalty left right. on the books, the only death penalty left on the books is going to the planet Talos Four. Yeah, I really, I don't, I'm dubious that we will ever get an, a good explanation as to why the events on that planet rated that punishment. Because they Not, do nothing but visit crazy planets. No, I think Captain. I think Pike just wrote it. Like, I'm sure if you freeze framed and read that document that's signed by Captain Pike and half Vulcan science officer Spock, uh, yep. which is how he signed it, yep. uh, you would see that he recommends the death penalty. That's the only thing I can think of it's because apparently there's nothing in that dossier that explains it. It is. Uh... Yes, that's th- it. This is the old. This is the only thing. Not even a regular mutiny. I'm, I know, I'm very, I'm super confused about it, because I've seen the episode recently, and yeah, some crazy shit goes on on that planet, and those aliens aren't that nice on it. But They're not great. These dudes are not great. They, they do are... nothing but meet crazy aliens throughout the entire run of the show. But they're also, like, they're not indestructible. <laughs> no, they're not, it turns out. There's like three, there's like three of them, and yeah. a regular phaser to their big ol' heads will kill them. Yes, as long as you cannot be fooled by their mind illusions, yes, then you can beat them. And yes. Pike proved that. So it is weird. Like, why not just drop a buoy in orbit that says, "Hey, probably shouldn't visit here." That's what they do in the later Star Treks. They're just like they'll leave yep. a, a buoy that says, "This place not so great. Don't go here." Yeah, that's that's all they need to do to deal with the Cytherians. <laughs> exactly. That's correct. Anyway, stay away from this probe. It'll jack. It'll jack up your Barkley. Whoever your Barkley is, it'll jack up. It's just to raise the stakes. <clears throat> yes. There's no possible in-universe explanation for it. It makes it troubling. But you're right that there is... Spock is putting Kirk in some jeopardy, although his plan was not for Kirk to be aboard. Yes. But then, but he also get, he brings him on board and... Well, I guess they have a dumb plot where the shuttle's going to run out of oxygen. I don't know why they built that shuttle. It does not seem like it's very useful. Don't build a shuttle that cannot like go through space without running out of air. That seems dumb. I feel yeah. like we've got that figured out. Like that space station in orbit. Like it's been up there a long time. <laughs> it's never run out of oxygen, as far as I can remember. Not yet. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, um, but on the take itself, I gave it a six. So I had it at a 6 too, right? I figured it was easy enough to identify, and it was something, but it wasn't mind-blowing or interesting or important. So this is not a question... There's no question here of loyalty. And it's not even a question of, is loyalty even meaningful to a Vulcan? Yeah. This is about... This is more sophisticated, because it's about the balance of his loyalties. Yes. Like, what does he owe Pike? Who does not want to be on this mission. Yeah, he just keeps going, no. No, 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 no he's I'm, not. He I don't, I don't it, think but. they can read it. I know I made it simple. I said one or two beeps. 
but I don't think they're figuring it out. They couldn't give this guy two different colored lights, a green light and a red, and it doesn't matter. We know they have we'll, that ability on the bridge of the Enterprise. We'll, we'll talk about that talk probably. About every week. Um, probably a little later. But uh, it's about his his loyalty to Pike versus his loyalty to Kirk versus his loyalty to Starfleet. Yeah. Like, and what his about personal his loyalty loyalties, to his professional Vulcan, loyalties. Uh, uh, Vulcan standards about, like, not lying and and stuff like that. There's, there's yep. a lot going on. There's a, so yeah. It's um I'm not sure 100% what it says about loyalties like I mean, I guess another way to put this take is uh either G's up hose down. Mm. Mm-hmm. Or bros before hose if you prefer. Yeah. I don't know why you would prefer that to G's up hose down. Yeah. Yes. Uh, hose in this case are Starfleet. Yeah. No, I, um, and that's why I, I couldn't give it a lot of points. It's because the only thing I come up with was that, uh, loyalty will, will drive someone to extreme measures, which again, is not much. That's, yeah. yeah, I know. Sure. Like if you're really loyal to someone, you might go out of your way to do some shit for them. I get it. So, um, <clears throat> I gave it, I only gave it a four on execution. Okay. And that's because th- there are plenty of good indications that Spock is conflicted about what he's doing. Mm-hmm. That he's not happy about this course. But the death penalty thing is just too cheap. It is pretty It's just dumb. too cheap a way to raise the stakes in the episode. I agree. Like, it's not enough that he is committing a straight-up mutiny? I know. <laughs> yes, By the way, if the stealing a starship for, would be bad. If it was a death penalty for mutiny... <clears throat> That's less stupid. Agreed. Yes, space mutiny, you would think, is a very dangerous thing, and you would have to curb that. Yeah. You probably uh, would not want there to be any space mutinies. Yeah. That's more understandable. It's like, um, you know, treason or whatever. You know what I mean? It's okay, like, treason, fine. All right. Military punishments are harsher than civilian punishments in a lot of cases. But again, they make a special point of saying this is it's the, the only the, case the only death penalty left on the books is the very is specific situation of going of to visiting this planet. Talos for. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, am. I agree. Dumb. Very dumb. Um, how did you feel they executed? I gave it a six. Um, I, I like, I like the whole Spock stealing the enterprise plot. Like that worked. Okay. Because you know, in the beginning, you're not necess- in the f- teaser. You're not really sure what's happening. It is yes. revealed pretty soon after they get back from credits that Spock is behind all of this shit. But um, but you wouldn't expect Spock. Certainly, he's uh, he's Vulcanian. You know, he they is. They don't do this kind of thing. The episode's a cliffhanger, which makes it hard to judge the whole thing. And I suspect, like we talked about, that we'll never get like a satisfying explanation about Talos Four and the death penalty. But Spock is willing to risk it all for Pike, even if Pike thinks it's unwise, and he's apparently willing to risk Kirk's career and all kinds of shit along the way. So, you know, they're they're hammering the message home. They're like, look, his loyalty to this guy that he apparently served for 11 years with, which is hard to believe, uh, is uh, that important that he's willing to risk like literally every single thing. So He, he has to keep reevaluating, too. Like, bringing Kirk and Mendez aboard. He doesn't know Mendez is on the shuttle. Right. He's got a pretty good idea. It's Kirk. I don't know if he ever heard any of his messages. Although they make a point of talking about how he set this whole thing up 
And how did he know how many flag officers were going to be there if he didn't know Mendez was going to be there? No, nah, I think he's played it by ear. I think point. he is too, and I think the whole time that they're give, they're giving him way too much. Credit. Giving him a lot of credit. <laughs> he was really hoping that they would not come after him. I That's think. right. Would have been much uh, easier. But like he has to evaluate. Like okay, well, can't let those guys die. Like saving Pike's life is not oh, worth this. And another thing we should point out. Because this is a cliffhanger, we don't even necessarily know exactly why he's kidnapped Pike and brought him to this planet. That's true. He has not yet revealed what we already know from having seen this episode in the past about what happens on that planet, specifically to that ugly woman. At the end, at the very end of the episode, he suggests that this could somehow, he can somehow save Pike's life. Right. This. What we will learn next week, spoiler alert, is that um, they, there's an ugly lady on that planet, but... Because of those guys' mind powers, she thinks she's like a hot lady. Or she can live out her life as a hot lady or whatever, because she gets to right. live her imagination. And they're not going to be able to fix Pike's body. But but they are going to be able to put, make it in his mind like he's got a regular body. So he anyway, can have like a cool existence on that planet. Is that's that's what the stakes are. At this point, we don't really know that. But we do know by the end of this episode that these these aliens on the Death Planet have got some pretty advanced technology. Yeah. And that Spock believes they can save Pike's life. Right. In some way. Yes. Yes. Agreed. So I gave it a six because I, I couldn't give it more than that because of the dumbness of the things that we've already talked about on Talos 4. But I did think it was effective on the on the main take. Okay. Well, it's not uncommon for you to be a point or two more generous than me. Right. <clears throat> the way these things have historically shaken out. Um, I feel like it was a rough week for world building all around, and I don't know if you agree, but... Uh, I felt that uh, this episode maybe did more world building than many of them. Okay. So there's some uh, a lot of stuff here. Um, it's it's mostly little stuff. Right. Um, so we've got uh, fleet captains. Still don't know what that is exactly. I didn't know what to make of that at all. Uh, yeah. Uh, it sounds like they gave him a promotion to make him feel better, and it makes me wonder if that rank even exists. Or if they gave him his own yeah. special rank. Yep. Uh, we get to hear about old Type J ships. The, uh, the cadet yeah. ship that he was on. So, uh, also, whatever the hell a baffle plate is. We know I it's said bad that. If, we know it's bad if that thing breaks. <laughs> I said, what's a baffle plate? <laughs> yeah. Uh... <laughs> I mean, look, ba you know, to baffle something is to uh, deflect or divert or muffle it in some way. So if you if you got a ship that's got them plates on there, you pr you probably want them. Oh, yes. Yeah, I assume. I assume that's correct. Uh, well, we've got the world's least useful wheelchair. That's not positive for me. <laughs> I don't know whatever. what to make of that wheelchair. <laughs> okay, uh, no, here's the thing. If... Being in that wheelchair is the sole thing keeping him alive, like his whole body and all of its internal components or whatever are all if hooked up If it's an iron there. lung also. Yes, that is the only way, because it, it took him conservatively 29 seconds to turn around. Yeah. And what it, and uh, Mendez says, right, forward a few feet, backwards a little bit, or like, <laughs> barely go backwards. Even he wasn't impressed. Mendez, Mendez does not think much of this chair's mobility. It's a garbage chair. Um, yes, but, uh, so, okay, so obviously they did not know that an equal amount of time, like, in the halfway point between the time they made this show and the time we are in now talking about it, mm. uh, Stephen Hawking would be able to select text by moving his eyes and a computer would read his voice out loud. Yeah. And, These are things that Pike could do and in honestly, his current condition. like, 
a long time before now that technology was being used. Yes, this is what I'm saying. Like, it was definitely there at the halfway point. Yes. It may have been in place only about 15 years after this episode. Right. And we're... Jesus, we're 50 years on. I know. So... Good thing we're devoting so much time to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, bad wheelchair. Um, I think this is the first shuttlecraft. Uh, that could be. Maybe that's why it's so shitty they didn't know what they should be. We haven't seen Galileo 7 yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, although, in that episode, is pretty limited, too. Maybe they just had bad shuttles, but I don't know. I feel like the shuttles in Enterprise... I don't want to get into it. It's fine. Let's yes, well, let's nothing in Enterprise makes sense. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, the the shuttle pod we've seen 15 times already in Enterprise is much better than these shuttles. Yeah. Yes. Uh, got the insane death penalty laws. Uh, we get the dress uniforms with all their medals and ribbons. Those are fun for me. Very ornate. Um, we get some glimpses of Starfleet's command structure, like by the person who gives the order for Mendez to take command and, and stuff like that. So I always like that. Anything that makes the universe feel bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, and I fucking, I, it's not the first time we've seen him, but there's a lot of business with him in this episode. I fucking love the computer tapes. I don't, I, they're not great in terms of, this is the worst technology. You guys came up with the worst technology. He's got to insert a different tape for like every sentence. Yeah, dog. Listen, if you're playing, if you're playing Civilization 1 and you run across the Americans, <laughs> you got to put in disc 2. So yeah, take disc one out, put disc two in <sighs> to have the conversation with Abraham Lincoln. Then you got to take disc two back out and put disc one back in. And if you accidentally <clears throat> stick disc two into a little bit of a panel gap in between the disc drive... <laughs> it's gone! And the computer, it's just gone. It's gone Because forever. a computer is not something you can open. I not mean, it has then. screws and everything, but you're going to blow it up for sure if you try. Oh, yeah, opening up causes a meltdown, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So... Uh, yes, he does have to. He does have to put in a different tape for every line, but somehow he is able to manipulate it. And I love the scene. I love the scene where he's fucking twiddling a potentiometer and changing the pitch of the voice. Yeah, he got it figured out. Yep, he's like, ah, oh, it's too low pitched. Let me. Uh, oh no, now it's too high. Oh, there we go. Also, yeah, he. I, I Goldilocks this bitch. The pushy pushy he gets in with the guy at the console is awesome. He does have he does have a first rate pushy pushy. They really do a lot of shoving. Um, so uh, I gave it a six. It feels a little generous, but that was how I felt about it at the time. I, you know, whatever. I don't want to walk it back too much. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, well, I have a feeling you're going to talk me up. Uh, I had what's a baffle plate? I had whoa, wait, going to Talos is the only death penalty offense on the books. That seems rash. Uh, I have time warp factor seven. That's from yes. the, the pilot material. It is interesting to think that the... And and the guy also... Uh, there's a great scene where the guy's telling him, Oh, look, we're going to get back to Earth so fast now. The time barrier's been broken. And <laughs> and then they're like, uh, Fucking, no, we're done with this conversation. <laughs> uh, but I do love that the guy's like going to try to explain to them their cool new technology. Which now, now doesn't make any sense in the context of Enterprise. Yeah. Uh, a court of space law. That's right. Uh, and all of those procedures and um, the whole courtroom part of this gives you a lot of minutia that 
you might find interesting. I don't know. I didn't particularly, but it's in there. They've, they've got the sheep, ship's chief engineer running the overhead projector. That's right. Well, you need an engineer for it, dude. Who is also, by the way, the only person in that room not in a dress uniform. Yeah, McCoy is there in a dress uniform. Apparently he did not have to dress up just to yeah. run the AV equipment. Uh, that garbage chair that he's in. Um, of those things... The important thing for this episode is that Talos is all death penalty. It's unclear how much any of the rest of this stuff will ever come back. Mm. You know? I don't know. Are they going to have another space court-martial? Maybe. It's possible. Yeah, they will. They definitely will in the episode court-martial. Will they follow all the same procedures, though? We will have to find out. They'll do some of them. Um, I give it a four. I mean, I originally gave it a three, but I'll give it a four. Okay. Well, so we're even so far at 16 points apiece. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, you're right. Characterization. Hey, you know what? I uh, Earlier offline, I told you that nothing scored as high as a 20, but now I'm looking at my score and I just did bad math. So. Oh, well, but I talked you up a point, so. Well, but also, spoiler alert, I did bad math. Okay. Well, that happens. Okay. Characterization. What, uh, what you got to say about this episode? Right. Sneaky Spock. Faked the transmission so we could steal Pike and take him to the weirdo planet. I loved that. Loved all of it. All the stuff with Spock getting in the shoving fight and uh, faking voices and all that cool stuff. I love sneaky Spock. It is weird, though, that he um, nerve pinches the one guy. But then the other guy. But then, but then the, the, he just doesn't, doesn't even try with the second guy. He doesn't even really seem like he wants to incapacitate the second guy at all. The guy has to come at him, like, five times before he finally knocks him down. Um, McCoy uh, was like, blast medicine anyway. I was like, he yeah. He does say blast medicine anyway. Yeah, who needs doctors or anything? Fuck it. Uh, and, you know, McCoy and Spock don't always get along. But McCoy is not going to accept Spock's involvement in this affair. Nope. He even asks Spock if it's okay to confine him to quarters. That's how much he cares about him. Yeah. He's like, is, it, is that enough? Is it cool if I is quarters enough, or do I have to like put you in real jail? Um, so that's nice. That's sweet. They always fight, but they really like each other. Uh, Kirk does not like people interfering with his command. No, he says it out loud, but he didn't have to say it. I had the feeling already. He was already demonstrating it. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure anybody else besides Mendez is really in this episode, and I don't like to include guest characters in characterization. Uh, yeah, really no one else is. I think Mendez is actually going to show up a couple more times. I think oh. he's he's half a guest role. Wait, he's like a recurring? He's like the Admiral Necheyev of this show, I think. Oh, I wonder if I would give Necheyev points on characterization. Well, we can find out in the future. We'll find out in seasons five she through seven sh- or whatever. She's going to show up a few times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I liked it all. I gave it, a, I gave it a seven. I thought it was all pretty neat. Oh, so that's interesting. Um, I, by the way, I had basically the same list. So I said, Kirk goes from zero to insane about his command in like five beats. Right. Uh, everyone is, everyone is so secure in their racism that they believe it's impossible for Spock to lie because he's a Vulcan. Kirk straight up precludes the possibility. He's yes. like, there is literally, I'm talking literally a 0% chance that Spock did this. And then in the next scene, he's talking to McCoy and he's like, hey, you think Spock did it? Right. Uh, McCoy, 
admits that Kirk would be justified in suspecting him of shenanigans. That's right. When he's like, I'd suspect you, and McCoy's like, well, you should suspect me. I thought about doing it myself, and I don't even know, I, Fleet Captain I've wanted Pike. to steal the ship a lot of times, but I don't know nothing about computer tapes. I don't know what the yellow one does or the red one does. I was gonna steal the ship and fill it full of ladies that you used to diddle, just to make you mad. <laughs> I love how it gets under your skin. Uh, but, like, th- that's basically what I had. So, uh, but for me, that was only, it's only like, a four, like... Oh, wow. So, the things that I liked, you did not find very pleasing. I, the Kirk that we're getting in this episode is determined Kirk. Like, he's gonna ride that shuttlecraft to hell. Oh, yeah. They're not turning back. He's not pleasant, cool dad, cool boss Kirk. It's not cool boss Kirk, and it's not, like, on the ball, uh, tell- making his clone think the word half-breed Kirk. <laughs> Again, my theory is that that's just what he really thinks. Yeah, it's true. It's it's just uh, it's just pure determination, Kirk. Yeah. So that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that, Kirk. But it's not my favorite, Kirk. I gave it about a four. Okay. Right. I give it exactly a four, precisely a four. Um, guessing though, I'm guessing that you got a few quick hitters I got, for this I got episode. A few. I didn't. I didn't go overboard on the quick hitters this week. I feel like uh, we can we can get in and out in and out quicker. Um, so if he, uh, like I already said, if he doesn't need that wheelchair in order to completely survive, he should trade it in for an older model. Yes, just like a regular ass wheelchair. I think it's clear he can't move his arms on his own. Um, this feels like kind of an advanced plot for the '60s in the way it developed, and I don't really know what experience I'm speaking from other than having seen this show and, like, The Twilight Zone. I it's more I advanced than The Twilight Zone. Yeah. Well, listen, in The Twilight Zone, I think we've talked about this, Serling just shows up and tells you what's going on. <laughs> yes, and And awesome. then, at the end, he goes, wasn't that weird? <laughs> he tells so, you all the things that you should be weirded out by, upset about, whatever. So this is definitely more sophisticated storytelling than that. But the way the way it's revealed that Spock's the one doing it, and all the courtroom stuff, and questions about loyalty and all that stuff, I thought it was I thought it was pretty advanced. Um, uh, I had Kirk's old buddy Jose, but that is not correct. Uh, they mentioned that there is no alien problem in this sector. That's right. No alien problems. Good to know. <laughs> Because you know that racist problem doesn't exist. Not not this sector. The sector they were patrolling when they got called in. But yes. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Uh, there is another lady whose existence really embarrasses Kirk for some reason. Yeah. That one we, lady's we... mutual friend, Helen. That's right. Makes Kirk very worried. He is sure that uh, that she told him, that she told her friend about Kirk's weird dick shape. Yeah. <laughs> and I... I... Now I'm trying to figure out why that was included because there's no it's, payoff. It doesn't. It is. It is a pure. We. We. No one has thought of, um, syndication yet. Yeah. And we've got time to breathe. Moment. It's there's just, no. There's no payoff. There's no payoff, and it really the, is the only there. The show to... leaves the starbase. Fifteen minutes in, and never comes back. That is correct. So well, there's no point. And they don't gone. take her with them. Yeah, she's there. There's no payoff. There's literally, the only reason I can think of is to let you know that he has diddled another chick somewhere. I think, like, the only bit of business that it's doing is it's making this woman seem on the ball because she is the one who's going to come in and say, nah, yeah, we looked into it. Like, right. we didn't send this message. But then she doesn't need to have a personal connection with Kirk. She does not. That's... 
but like I think, and they gave her the beautiful lady music when she walked in and everything. Yes, and I was yeah, like, I was like, oh, this is gonna, we're gonna go somewhere. No, we ain't going nowhere. No, it doesn't. It doesn't have anything to do with anything. Uh, who the fuck is Mister Hansen to give orders to Uhura? Is it because he's a white man? Remember on the bridge? I think he's a I, lieutenant. I do remember. And he's like telling her what to do. Didn't even say please. Pfft. Yeah, I assumed it was because he had been left in charge. Yeah, but we've never seen this guy before. It is true. This guy is. It could have. It should have been Sulu. I don't know. Yeah. Um, how can Spock force them to skip the preliminary hearing? Like, can't they still hold it if they want? I... He's like, I waive my right to it, and they're like, He's got you there. It's like, well, I mean, he maybe he has a constitutional right to a speedy trial. It's a just... right that we have. I just feel like if they wanted to, couldn't they just be like, well, no, I just want to look at the evidence. Let's let's hear it. Let's see what's yeah, going on. Yeah, I don't on. know. I don't know. I, I assume by pleading guilty. But he didn't. He just said, let's go to the court-martial. No, he he pled guilty. He started oh, he by did? pleading guilty. Yeah. Well, then what's the... Okay. I, I don't know. I don't... Okay. The procedure doesn't make all the sense in the world. All right. Um... Oh, <laughs> this is what I loved. <laughs> they had... This is the only show in the history of television shows... That has bothered to try to explain why in the flashback or whatever it is, we're getting sweet TV camera angles. Yep. And I loved it so much. Yep. That they went, there's no way you could be getting those angles from the ship's cameras. What are you doing? This is impossible. And he's like. No starship keeps records this detailed. (laughs) They're like, yeah, no, they don't. This is a TV show. We are straight watching TV. And he's like, oh, they got technology. You wouldn't even understand. They can even put TV cameras on your bridge. Um, so I thought that was amazing. Uh, I like, I love Pike's mission description about the mission that he had just been on. Deserted fortresses, swords and armor, and fighting alien warriors. Yep. I wanted- That sounds like a cool mission. I wanted that flashback. (laughs) I wanted a flashback inside the flashback so we could go to that mission because it sounded fucking badass. And the way he just seems like mildly put out by all of it. Yeah, like, like he, I had to like fight an alien warrior in that deserted fortress with like, with, like swords and armor and shit. It's dumb. Um, and Kirk, we all understand by now that one beep means yes. You don't have to repeat it every time for everybody. Yep, <laughs> he said yes. That's uh, it's one beep for yes. It's like yeah, yeah, I know. We figured this out within minute one of this episode. Yeah, man, we got that. Uh, Everybody got that. So that's uh, that's that's pretty much all I had. Um, did you notice when they're all walking up to the intensive care ward? Uh, <laughs> McCoy asks Mendez about Pike. What's his problem? <laughs> like that's some real good bedside manner, huh? Well, you know, like it's it's clear that something happened to him, and that's why. Mendez thinks it's impossible for him to have even sent the transmission. But yeah, that's but how McCoy's going to ask that question. What's bl- his problem? Blast medicine is why. Uh, I noticed that Spock signed that the report was labeled Half Vulcan Science Officer Spock. <laughs> Just straight up put his race right on the form. He knows it adds extra credence to his um, to his report. No one will ever question its veracity because he's half Vulcan. Uh, it was apparently so important that uh, that Vina, that's her name, right? Sure. Is a fresh, hot 18-year-old. 
that the guy tells her, ah, born almost as the ship crashed. Yep. Which we had been told was 18 years ago. It is very important that she it's, is like... She couldn't be 20 or 25. She <laughs> couldn't have been five when that thing went down or seven. <laughs> Super little... important that she be just like, just a piping hot 18 year old. I'm surprised they weren't like, tomorrow night she'll be 18. Mm, it's a big day for Vina. It's her 18th birthday today. She's ready now. <laughs> just to give Pike a little bit of time to get to know her. And then the instant she turns 18, he can nail her. Yep. I thought the... Seemed like a lot of business for that pilot episode to be doing about yes. her age. Especially because we know she gets left behind. Spoiler alert. Uh, Matthew, I awarded uh, Best Actor for this mm. episode to uh, uh, Present Spock. Oh, Present Spock, okay. And uh, Worst Actor to Past Spock. <laughs> Very nice. Honorable mention for Worst Actor, though. Uh, there is a yeoman on Pike's Enterprise. I assume he's a yeoman. He's hanging out behind the captain's chair. He's wearing blue. He is the most nervous I have ever seen a person on TV. <laughs> I don't know where they found this extra. Uh, but he's like, I'm on a, what am I on a spaceship now? He's very nervous looking yeoman. Uh, he only has like, he's on there twice. Very distracting to me both times. He was good. He was actually, they were hoping that guy would catch on as a full-time character, but his performance did not rate it. Uh, before I announce the total for this episode... Mm. Um, this is the first time we've uh, hit a cliffhanger. Yeah, I want to ask after having watched this, how excited are you to see part two? Uh, I generally liked this episode. I, I guess I'm fairly excited. Um, probably more so if I hadn't recently watched the pilot. But yeah, I guess that's true. But um, but yeah, no, yeah, I guess I am. Um, and I wouldn't even be terribly surprised if. If episode two had a different, I don't know, had a different feel, a different take, or whatever, you know what I mean? It might yeah. not necessarily continue the same primary arc. It might get into something else. Who knows? I felt like they broke this one up in a, in a pretty solid way. Oh, what I really liked was the way it went to to be continued, and it had kind of an extended sequence where it was like, oh, couldn't find out what happens next week, and then ran some of the credits while Kirk was. Um, unhappily pacing around the courtroom. I thought that was actually pretty effective. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for the first attempt at a cliffhanger in Star Trek, I think they, they did a good job with it. Like, the framing device ends at an interesting point, and the half of the pilot ends at an interesting point. Yes, I think it um, it's definitely broken down well. Yeah. So, um... We'll see if that holds up for other cliffhangers. Our boy, let me just peek ahead and see when our next one is. It's probably different. Some of them are cliffhangers because they're in between seasons, and some of them are just back to back in the same season. And I think, especially the ones that are there's a whole summer between them, those always feel one and two always feel like completely different episodes to me. Like if yeah. you're talking about best of both worlds, one and two feel totally different to me. Yeah. Uh, our next one is not till week thirty nine. Oh. When we watch the Maquis Part One, that is so many weeks from now. Uh, so that will never happen. That's so long. But from now. just in case, uh, I just wanted to get get in the the sort of uh, the, uh, what what precedent of having asked how excited you were about the second week. Yeah, and some of them won't necessarily be listed as 
um, cliffhangers, but might continue a story arc. I know DS9 was experimenting with arcs pretty early on, and that that episode, the Maquis, is DS9, but they may even have, at the end of Season 1, a number of episodes in a row that continue the same story, but aren't, like, titled the same thing. Oh, interesting. So, we might have... In which case, I might not know what's happening until we get to discuss it in that week. That is correct. Well, you'll be able to tell by the end of that episode, certainly. Yeah, that's true. When it is not resolved. Um, all right. Uh, so, uh, by the way, the total for the for this episode was uh, 43 points. That's really not bad. So, that's pretty good uh, by our scores, uh, just to compare the last couple of weeks. Uh, in week 10, the Corbomite Maneuver won with 44 points. Uh, in week 9... Uh, hide and Q won with 42. Okay. And in week 8, the battle won with 43. I, I don't know if we've ever had a 43-point not winner. Let me take a look. Yes, one time only. The last outpost scored 43, but lost uh, in the week that uh, our all-time top scorer so far, Phage, scored 50. It's still so weird to think. <clears throat> it's crazy. Our, the, and in terms of artistic achievement, still, <laughs> that Voyager episode that was not very good is on top. Yep. Well, but that's so far. Yes. We got we got four more episodes this week. Yeah, let's do it. Uh including the big goodbye. Picard has been prepping for an important encounter with the secretive and powerful Harada, and sensing that the dude is burned out, Troy suggests he take a trip to the holodeck. Picard and company hit up uh, the private investigator Dixon Hill's world for some fun times getting arrested and interrogated. However, the Harada show up and Riker does a shit job making them happy. Uh, They unleash a powerful probe that messes up the holodeck and Picard and friends are trapped inside without the holodeck safeties. Will the crew make it out unharmed? Mostly. And will Picard be able to save the ship from Riker's bad attitude? Yes! Yeah. What do you got? Um, so, it's not easy to find a premise for this one. No. This is, uh, it's not really about anything. So here's what I have. Sure, and sure, you sure. maybe you've got a better one. Uh, the holodeck isn't very safe. Oh, boy. That one cannot, point. I was going to say, that cannot be worth points. <laughs> it's like, That's a bad what else take. is it about? Uh, here's what I totally reached for, and then tell me whether you agree. <clears throat> When you're the captain, you're always the captain, even off-duty. And this is why I knew this was a bad episode, or a bad take, because my explanation of it is like three paragraphs. Yep, I gotta hear it. He's got so many responsibilities, and everybody looks to him with all their little shit, right? So that's why Troy makes him take a break. He visits the holodeck to what? Pretend to be the central character while his underlings who come along play his cronies, just like in real life, right? When shit goes wrong in the holodeck, it's up to his ingenuity and comfortability with bossing people around to save their asses. And then it's right back onto the bridge at the end of the episode without even changing out of his fucking trench coat to have a stroke on the view screen or whatever he does in the end. I think he says, our clacks off. <laughs> <coughs> so the episode title suggests something about the nature of death, right? The big yes. goodbye. And while dire consequences are threatened... 
in relation to the Harada, and they do talk about some philosophical nonsense with the holodeck characters, about how their world isn't real and all this nonsense, and what happens when we close the program. It's so quick and has nothing to do with the rest of the episode, so I couldn't really go there. So I came up with the thing about how he's got to be a captain. Like, seriously, it's, it's, it is literally for him a 24-7 thing. It's definitely a Picard episode. That's a Picard episode for sure. Go, oh, that's a reach. What did you give that reach as a premise? I gave that a three. Uh, I was hoping you had a real one. Normally when I reverse engineer it, it gets a lot of points because I have all the evidence to back it up. And in hindsight, you can make a lot out of it, but I couldn't. There's not a lot. There's just not. In fact, let me just jump into execution. So I, I gave it I gave a five. It sucks to be Picard. He can't take a few hours off. In every situation, he'll be uh, looked to to fix whatever's happening. Maybe that's why years from now he'll spend his off days playing the flute by himself in his quarters. Um, still, it's hard to feel too bad for him when he seems to really revel in it. That ending where he tells Wesley or Jordy or whoever to step on it makes it seem like this is like his jam. So, uh, for you, I for sure want to talk about that later. So there's no real problem. But... Um, but, so, there was the evidence for it, and then, execution-wise, just Troy knows the greeting. Troy knows the greeting. She doesn't even have to look at the pad. She's walking him through it the whole time in the beginning. So why don't they just have her do it and say she's the captain? Or, like, use a uh, voice modulator. They won't figure that trick out for several episodes yet. It's like, have her do it, or use the voice modulator, and make it sound like it's Picard, but it's really her. Because she knows the greeting! Yep. <sighs> I don't know, man. Like, did they outright say that they would recognize the Universal Translator? I forget if they even remembered that that exists. I don't know, but I'm just... It's, I know they do that bit of business in Star Trek Six. I, I just, uh... To me, the whole time, I was just like, just have just have Troy do it and you're done. Your episode's done. Mm-hmm. Alright. That's what I got. Uh, man, I can't believe you've given this feast eight points so far. <laughs> uh, so here, here are my thoughts on the execution. About, uh, the, about the holodeck not being safe. <laughs> Hey, what's going on with the Harada? Yeah. Why was it so urgent that they get in touch? Um, and why did they break protocol by scanning and making contact early? Yeah. Almost seems like something interesting is happening in the B story, but we never get to find out what. <laughs> you would Yes, you would be wrong if you thought that. The whole time I was like, I don't remember why they're so eager to talk now. Like, why are they making contact first, and then, like, what is going on with the Harada? Is something rotten in Harada space? Yeah, maybe they're desperate to make contact with the Federation, because a new, greater enemy has shown up. They're cyborgs! That's right. Uh, I see what you were... were yeah. I'm just saying, what's going on? Why, like, they seem... We it, must band together. So urgent that Picard has to be the one to make contact? Yes. Like, well, I know okay. that... The, they explain Enterprise it, is the flagship. They explain it as some kind of weird protocol thing. So I assume the captain of the flagship is just a good place to start, right? Yeah, but like... For they protocol reasons. Like, they couldn't send an ambassador? I guess not. Maybe uh, they respect strength. Or an admiral? Yeah, maybe an admiral would have been good. Like, it, it seemed like they had to make contact now, and Picard was the best person for it. I, yeah. Re yes, reasoning it out, that makes sense. Uh, so why? Like, what's going on? And then why... At the end, it's just like, well, now that I've said the magic words... Everyone's fine. It's all resolved, and uh, we, there will be peace with the Harada. <laughs> literally? Literally! 
That's the whole mission. Yeah. He says the words, and then like, they set course to leave. Like, he should have been like, okay, I did the thing, so what's up? Like, <laughs> yeah. what's the deal? Why did you contact us after all this time? Uh, we know that they're they're crazy patient. Like, they'll just fly next to the Ferengi for three straight days. <laughs> Waiting for an answer. <laughs> Waiting for, to hear what's up. Uh, but, like, that's it. Yeah. They're done. Like, we're going to get out of here now. I said the thing. It's true. I hadn't really thought and about it. And they said, you have honored us, etc. <laughs> yeah. You gave us the sacred klaxon. Uh, yeah, no, like, you're right. He, then they're it, just like, no, that's it. Just our 20-year check. I gave it zero points. <laughs> <laughs> like, listen, their scan is what caused the holodeck malfunction. If you're not going to explain why they're doing weird protocol, why this super protocol conscious race is doing this now, then fuck you. Yeah. It might as well said, oh, God made the holodeck break. I agree. You know, well, that's usually what happens. The holodeck breaks and you're never really given. If you're given an explanation, it's weird techno babble that doesn't mean anything. Um, You know what? I totally not even thought about how dumb the end of that episode is where he goes, I said the words, now let's leave the area. Like, that was it. And uh, I want you to take a point off my execution score. Okay. I was so mad um, before we started this project when I watched the episode with the Cytherians just to talk about it again. Uh Uh-huh. How they're like, uh, uh, okay, well, well, let's just do it again. And then this time, Data's just like, I think we should maybe just send a probe. And they're like, cool. Da, oh, da, 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 da. Oh, you don't mean the Cytherians. That's uh, clues. It's clues. Sorry. Yeah, the episode's yeah, yeah. clues. Yeah. The Cytherians are the one with Barkley. Yes. Uh, yeah. the, but you know what I mean. The, Whatever they're called. Yes. Yes. The ones where they they inhabit Troy's body and she talks like this. It's very sinister. Yeah. <clears throat> I was so mad about that ending. This one just just baffled me. I was just baffled by this one. Like I, I was really disappointed because... I wanted to know what was up with the fucking Harada. It is very disappointing when you know, you already know going in the entire reason this episode exists is so that they can dress them up in period clothes. So they can fucking do the Maltese Falcon. Yeah. But when they don't package it. But like the worst parts of the Maltese Falcon. Exactly. And then when they don't package it in a way that is easy to, like you can't really easily explain what happened and why. Yeah, well, That's not good. Harada don't scan the ship. Then uh, Beverly goes in there, uh, does her little lipstick business, uh, takes fashion advice from a prostitute, gets hit on by a police sergeant. Then they go back out. Picard says, Arg clacks on and it's all over. (laughs) That's what happened anyway. Exactly correct. Yes. The same shit would have happened either way. It's just that the fucking 20th century fiction expert got shot. Yeah. That's the only difference. He was real red shirt in this episode. So anyway, this episode's not about anything. Agreed. Uh, and didn't do much world building. So there's the Harada, but again, we'll never see them again. I never count Alien Race of the Week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you don't, well, because I'm trying to remember that we're in, we're watching, it's like if you're watching it for the first time, like it's they're building the ethos and everything, it's yeah. they're building the whole universe. But they say do at the you end, th- we're done with this. Do I mean, they basically, Picard looks at the camera and says, we're done with these guys. Right. So I agree, and I just try to envision... Do I think that if I watched this for the first time, would I think we would see these guys again? And yes, definitely you do not think you're going to see the yes. Arata. So this is not like when we come to conspiracy. Yes. Now it turns out <laughs> that those fucking neck neck veins or whatever mm-hmm. are just another alien of the week. Yes. But they want you to think they're not. And so... That episode's going to score high. I have a That's going to score high, I think, uh, for, for world building. There's a lot going That's on. some sinister shit, right? Yeah. 
uh, I don't count them. So here's what I have for world building, and maybe you got fucking something else. There are holodecks, and you can be an asshole in them if you want. Okay. That's what I consider going and playing Dixon Hill. (laughs) Sure. Uh, Diplomacy is fraught. Two points. All right, man. All right. So, okay. Spoiler alert again. It sounds like the way you watched this episode is the way I watched the Voyager episode this week. Where I just couldn't, I couldn't glean much. I was just sitting there, and my mind was wandering, and I was racking my brains like, "Why? Why is this episode exist, and why am I watching it?" Um, okay, another so, holodeck episode, by the way. Yes, another one with the holodeck breaks. By the we way, we got fucking two of them in a row. Two yep. holodeck malfunction episodes this week. Uh, okay, the Rada are hella reclusive and are obsessed with protocol. You don't get points for that. Um, so they still use dates like 1941 AD and then star dates after like star date one. Is that how it works? Do you have two systems? Cause yeah, he I guess says to the computer 1941 AD. What would the alternative be? I don't know. He, negative he something. Star date negative 851. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to figure yeah. out. So do you think that's true that before <coughs> star date one, they just use like regular ass dates? I so because then what do people from other alien cultures use in Starfleet? I, I always assumed that star dates were in use by ships that travel faster than light and at high relativistic speeds. Okay, because time is funny in some way when you do that, right? And that if you would lived on Earth, you probably would just be like, "Yeah, it's fucking, it's fucking twenty three sixty five or whatever," right? Like. If you're, like, you know Picard's brother's wine bottles are not labeled with star dates. Right. And so here's my question about this. I don't want to get too deep. I think we explicitly see that they're not. I don't want to get too deep into the calendars of the future, but I I always assumed that the star date was so that you would have a unifying dating system for the entire Starfleet and Federation, because you have so many diverse alien cultures, and all their years are different lengths, and their months and weeks and everything are different, and they use a different dating system. So you'd use the star date as like a common system that everyone would agree to to use. So, but that would be really confusing if you were talking about times before Stardate 1, <coughs> because then some dude on Vulcan would have a much different way of dating things. He'd be right. like, no, it's the year 5893 or whatever, and you'd be like, oh, I don't know what that is. Like, what, wait, what date was that? When was that? So wouldn't you have right. to use, like, negative star dates or something? Like, there must be some way that they can talk to each other about time. Wouldn't there always be a computer nearby you could ask? Sure, yes. That's the good thing about the future is you could ask Siri or whatever. I mean, that's exactly what we would do now, right? Like, Well, except that now everyone on Earth uses the same calendar. Now, locally, they yeah. can also use other calendars. Yeah, but that's like. because we didn't... Ha- and you didn't always have a cell phone. Like, right. if, if we... If we met a new nation now that used a different calendar, it'd be no big deal. I guess so. Anyway, so that, that was my question about world building. I, you know, sometimes I just yeah. have questions in there because I don't know what to do with it. Sure. Um, the Harada are strategically important to the Federation, it is stated, for reasons that are not explained. Yeah. Um, many observations on how holodeck characters are able to observe and interact with real people. They're able to see that Data is some kind of weird robot person with weird skin and eyes and everything. So he doesn't appear to be a regular person to them. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't make any sense. It happens in the Voyager one, too. We can talk about that. Um, Does the holodeck compensate when there's, like, the ship is shaking? 
Because nobody in there seemed to realize when that extremely violent probe happened and the whole ship shook a bunch. No one in the holodeck was like, what the fuck was that? So maybe it, like, compensates for the movement or something? That's an interesting question. You know, if you read... Uh, if you read, like, the tech manual and stuff, the the way you can move around in that space without bumping into walls is, like, you're essentially walking on force field treadmills and stuff. Right. That way, the room is always, whatever, 20 feet long or whatever, but you never right. hit the wall. Right. Um, although, there must be limitations. Like, you couldn't... How would you do it if like you have you multiple people in the room? Football field, exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah, you you if once you were had distance from each other, that wouldn't make sense anymore. Maybe uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Maybe there are ways around that, like what if you are putting each person into their own like little cell that's five feet by five feet and you're projecting the other people also? Yes. In maybe. that cell. Anyway, I don't know. Maybe there's a way to do it. Doesn't yeah. Doesn't make perfect sense. Is this making you happy that I had these world-building questions? Yeah, maybe that's why they don't feel that. Although, uh, like, definitely when Moriarty pulls a lever... Don't. That's a future episode. In the future, they will feel the ship shake. Um, I don't think that's how they would disappear outside of the holodeck. Like, if there's no emitters out there, they just wouldn't be rendered, right? They should just disappear as they pass through the door. Yeah, they wouldn't slowly fade away, shouting, I'm Cyrus Redblock! Yep, that's a bad scene for a lot of reasons. It's not good. Uh, So I had some things, a lot of them were questions. um, I gave it a five. It feels, maybe I was being generous, but I don't know. I had a lot of questions and things to think about, at least from a world building perspective. I guess if it made you think, that's something. Yeah. <coughs> uh, were you equally generous in terms of characterization? Normally TNG scores pretty high on this, but this was not one of those weeks. So this is a tough one, because nobody is acting like themselves. Yeah. So it's uh, it uh, gives you a weird curve to grade on. Here's what I got. Okay. Tro- Troy is a fucking racist, talking about their insect minds and shit. Yeah, she's like, they got weird insect minds. It's like, all right, you got weird betazoid mind. Like, what the, I think betazoids might be racists. Yeah, I think so. Picard is thrilled by the holodeck, just like everybody else. Everything that yep. happens on there makes him smile like an idiot. Um, Crusher thinks that they're going on a hollow date, but Picard invites the 20th century historian. Yep, that's a fun moment. Uh, then they straight have a do-over of their drunken encounter from several episodes ago, except with people just looking right at them. Yeah, by the way, uh, I scored this episode really low, and I know I've been down on it. I actually quite enjoyed watching it. <laughs> well, this is this is definitely one where the score and my... Inverse. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just, it's just I, I, like, I like this dumb episode. There are a couple of things I don't love about it. Right. I... Uh, and it suffers data. from not being... I don't like Data. Either. Let's put it that way. I almost never like Data. He is not one of my favorite characters. I like him when he's just being Data. I don't like him when he's being Brent Spiner. Oh, that is the real problem. And we will find over time that that is a real problem. Probably because he keeps going to people and going, I can do more. It's like, no, don't. Uh, so, okay, so they they reenacted their uh, Naked Now moment, but in front of people. Just everyone looking right at them. Um... Goddamn Data and his goddamn Sherlock Holmes garbage. Yep. I uh, hate that, too. Also, Data doesn't know how old lamps work, but Picard does. Yep. 
I don't understand. I never understand how Data's brain dictionary works. And he's so pleased with himself when it turns on, like he shook it and it fucking worked. I get that they were going for comedy there, but <coughs> really don't use data. It's don't rude. use data if the comedy relies on someone being pleased with themselves. <laughs> that's an emotion. That's right. Exactly. Exactly correct. Not only does it again make me question how his brain works, but yes, full of emotion. Smugness is an emotion, you guys. I, I agree. Um, how often does Data ask Picard's permission to be violent? I would really... Oh, he does this time. I would really hate to hear that from a super strong android. That he has desires like that? That's true. Like, please, now <laughs> is now the like time? I like to be violent. Is May now, I be violent? Is now the time I can smash someone's skull? It's Let very me off easy. the chain. Let me off the chain. <laughs> like, it would... I just, I'm uncomfortable with Data most of the time, and in real life, I'm very uncomfortable about robots, but I just, you know, come on. Uh, this is where I get to the stuff that I really enjoyed, even though it's not good. Riker is already so bad at diplomacy. Yep. He sounds hella moody when he gets on the comm with the Harada. They're going to walk that back in two weeks, by the way. Who, of course, are not into him. Yeah. <laughs> and then... You're- you're not Picard. But he's an asshole, so it makes sense that they're not into him. Because he gets on the thing, he's like, what do you want? Show me your insect face. Show me your fucking face right now. I'm Riker. Let me see your insect face. Show it to me. I want to see it. Um, then he goes to Jordy, and Jordy's like... Oh, oh my god. Okay, no, he's talking to Jordy, and Jordy's like, I can't find the captain. And he's like, I told you he's in the holodeck. <laughs> Oh, that's, this is not the one that I thought you were going to say. And so I have I have one coming up. And it's like, uh, yeah, Doug, he knows. He's at the holodeck. Don't be an asshole. Riker is so fucking moody in this episode. Is this all leftover shit from Haven? So, by the way, so I don't know if this is coming up for you. Riker fucking finally decides he has to go down to the holodeck. <laughs> yes. Shows up there. First thing he says to Jordy, have you tried the intercom? <laughs> now, Jordy has already said that he tried the intercom in an earlier communication. I know. So he's a little bit ticked off. And he says, yes, of course. Then Riker fucking tries the intercom twice. Oh, yeah, he does. Just big dog and him. Like, like oh, you probably don't know how to work the fucking intercom. <laughs> that's exactly right. Jordy doesn't know how it works. <laughs> Again, is this all left over from Haven? Is he still, like, emotionally messed up? Yeah, dude, Troy did a Troy finally returned the favor and did a number on him. And he, she didn't even mean to. She didn't even want to. And he's still just like, no, no. It's still this is still left over from hide and cue. Oh, he is still so ashamed of his failure. I really wonder if he's broken for the whole series. You this say, is this is it. So you say they're gonna walk it back in a few weeks. What do you mean? Which episode? Uh, so in Angel One, he's gonna oh. talk like he's re- a real big game about diplomacy. Yeah, but does he actually do a good job? We'll get into yeah, it. Yeah, well, we'll have to discover it when we watch it. Um, okay, so, it makes me wonder so, if they've already discovered that Jonathan Frakes is an idiot, and they've already written it into every episode. So here, they already wish they hired Outrageous O'Connor exactly, instead. Exactly correct. So here's the... By the way, I kind of do, too. So here's the fucking chronology at this point. End of hide and cue. Yeah. He's shattered. Yeah, absolutely. Like, Picard has lost faith in him. Probably, Picard yeah. was so happy that Q was going after Riker. Yes. So, that sucked a dick. Very next week, Haven. Oh, boy. So <laughs> That's right. After hiding he, Q, he's like, professionally, I'm messed up, but at least I can still fuck Troy whenever I want. Well, it's worse than that, right? Because he is now, he now realizes he doesn't have what Picard has. Mm. 
He doesn't have it. Now, Troy and Troy's new boyfriend are going to be throwing it in his face about how he wants to be a starship it's captain. It's true. They've reduced Meanwhile, him completely. Meanwhile, he's not sure he can do that anymore. Like that Japanese guy's, like that Japanese teenager's dad, he reduces him. He does. <laughs> he reduces him to money. Uh, oh, man. I reduce you? Dude, that is such a good ending. <laughs> that if you, if you did not watch the last season of Community because it aired on Yahoo Screen, yes, you, and you weren't going to figure out how to watch that, it was free, but, you know, whatever. Uh, watch it. Yes. The end of every episode has a tag that is great. And this particular one, I mean, the best part of that episode is the arc with the The whole the running kid, gag. The kid who is pretending to be Jeff Winger on the text <laughs> with the Dean. His interaction with his dad is from a one-act play. Yes. That I would for sure watch. It is amazing. In fact, most of the plays I have seen in local theater around here are much worse than the end of this thing, but it is so perfect. That is correct. So that's the official podcast recommendation for this week. It's it's season six of Community. Yep, it's not bad. (laughs) Not bad at all. They added two new cast members, and I think they were good. Uh, So, like, what are you going to do? So you were saying that they reduce him to this desire to be captain. Right. And but he is all he already doesn't believe he can do that, and she is saying this is why we can't be together. Like the the now you're trying to fall back into this relationship. I am taking this from you because of your desire to be captain, which you now don't have faith in anymore. Right, which you really just recently found out that is not. Yes, it's not working. Just just found out that this is going to be an uphill battle for you. Mm-hmm. Uh so yeah, this this that's two that's two bad weeks, and this shit with the Harada is not helping. Man, I'm glad we're better than the writers, and we have figured out why Riker is so bad at things. Because <clears throat> you know this Listen, is just bad writing, but it is if, so yes. good that we fixed it. If this had been their intention, you would have read about it fifty times by now. Like, and there would have been a dozen think pieces about why Riker falls off halfway through season one. Honestly, if that was the real reason, they would get so many more characterization points. Yeah, this is because we are treating them like it's fucking uh, JMS, and it's not. <laughs> that's right, exactly. Even even JMS, this is this would be too it's too subtle for him, even. Uh, and then I finish characterization with just the general the general version of what I already said about Picard that everybody in the holodeck is so happy about all of the things that happened to them in there until the dude gets shot. Yep, everyone's delighted. Yep, so <clears throat> that's all I had. Oh, and did I say how many points that was worth? Uh, you said that it's not their normal form. Uh, I gave them a three. Yeah, this is not much. So, uh, here's what I have for characterization. Um, already, Jordy is in charge of a big engineering problem. Yeah, where's co-chief engineer Singh or whatever? Oh, he's where, dead. Where any of the five chief engineers we've seen. Right. Singh is dead. We know that. Yeah, Singh's dead. <laughs> but where's McDougal? Argyle. Or Argyle. Et cetera. Etc. Et Leland T. Lynch. We haven't met him yet, but we will. And of course, Chief Engineer Logan. Look at the best introduction ever to Leland T. Lynch. Um, no, it's Jordy. This is already Jordy. Right. Jordy and Wesley combo here. Um, oh, I should say f- something about Wesley. And I don't mean to interrupt. I, um, he's barely in the episode, but I actually did buy Will Wheaton's acting, which I'm kind of upset to admit. But he, the way he dives in, almost with like a, uh, a hunger, into yes. that console to try to save his mom was actually sort of effective. 
Fuck, you're right. How you just talked me up a point. But is that characterization? I mean, it's just his acting. I don't know what. It oh, does for that's his... a good point. I mean, I guess it does something for his character. It makes he sense. He loves his mom. I don't he know. makes his character make sense, which is that's usually good for characterization. Right, right. That I went. Oh, okay. I kind of get it. Uh, usually when Frakes is this incidental to an episode, it's because he's directing it. Mm. Um, but not this time. <laughs> okay. So it's just he just not important. Uh, no one is in this one. Yes. I mean, Picard uh, every character gets a hand in in this one. Yeah. But, like, Worf's is just to not know what an automobile is, so that's not anything. Honestly, didn't even remember he was in it. He just says, automobile? <laughs> God. Uh, I only gave it two, but you talked me up to a three. So, I had this episode at five points. Yeah. Which would have been my all-time lowest score. But you've talked it up now at six points for me, so it's just tied with my all-time lowest score. Uh, with... I'll have to look it up here. Okay. Hold on. While you're looking that up. <clears throat> the Passenger. That. Deep Space Nine. Oh, God. That's, that's the one with bad Bashir. That's where Bashir becomes sinister. Uh, that's gonna, I think that might be an all-timer, dude. <laughs> that's so bad. That episode was real poor. You gave this 15 points. Yeah! So this is... I know we have a mountain of quick hitters, so there's no point in doing pretending not to know what the score is right. already. Go for it. Uh that this is one of the bigger gulfs in scores. Yeah, you really hated this. As art. No, I did. As art. That's as the art. thing. Sorry. <laughs> yes, I just thought it was a garbage episode. It was. Uh, I didn't hate watching it at all. Yeah, it's fun. I'm finding that TNG, I don't know if it's a childhood bias or whatever. I do enjoy watching them. I don't know. Like, you're getting a fair amount of enjoyment watching TOS, too, and you really didn't watch it as a kid. I kind of avoided it, it's true. <clears throat> so... Maybe it's not that, yeah. but um, anyway, 21 points, so not not a so good. Less than half of what TOS got this week. Less than half of what TOS got. Worse than we gave uh, Haven. Oh, boy. They're trending gave, down. Which you gave 28. So they had a big run where Justice, the Battle, and Hide and Q all won in a row. Well, that makes um, sense. Oh, hold on. Oh, this is fun. This is the lowest score T- TNG has gotten. It's well. It was not a good episode. Look, I give it fifteen. It makes it sound like a lot compared to yours, but fifteen's a bad score. So, you know, yeah, did not a good job. Uh, quick hitters. <clears throat> sounds oh, like man. sounds like Troy memorized the shit out of this Harada nonsense. Shane Picard has to give the six second greeting. That is so important. Um, <laughs> did she say that the guy was in that Picard was in a monkey suit? And is that is that racist? That's a good question, but maybe it refers to organ grinder monkeys. Oh, but were they? <coughs> but were they dressed that way for racist reasons? Oh, uh, we can look into it. On that's uh, definitely so possible. Uh, is this chicken the teaser supposed to be hot? Was this another? They'll be watching it on their thirteen inch or in their bedroom anyway, so she can be ugly, and we'll play the music in the back that says she's the most beautiful creature they've ever seen, and they'll fucking buy it. Situation. Are you talking about? The lady who comes Dixon to Dixon Hill's Hill. Secretary? No, the lady... Oh, no. Oh, you're talking about the lady with the legs. Yeah. Supposedly, the, with the, the legs. The lady who, who comes to him to uh, get his help on whatever she's doing with Cyrus Redblock or whatever. I, I felt like they were going for period hot, and the sexy music was also period. She looked... She, she was normal. She, she was like... She was busted, man. So it's fine. <laughs> everybody... I'm sure she's a nice lady. Everybody Picard passes in the halls. Can tell he uses the holodeck for sex reasons now, thanks to that lipstick. That is true. That, by the way, 
less comedy Star Trek. Yeah, please, enough. Enough is enough. I know this was a nothing episode, but please. He's walking around with the, like, if we're going to do this gag where he's walking around with the lipstick, can we do the version of it from 18 seasons later where he's just got the puffball on the back of his uniform? Briefly. Because <laughs> the little girl puts it there. That would be good. Uh, Picard, stop putting your hobbies in your captain's log. You yep, have that's... a personal log for that. Yep. He has a personal log, too. Does he not know? He thinks they're the same? Or is this all part of his plan to have them not read his captain's log? Uh, he does, but he, by the way, it is in his personal log. Wait, it is? Yeah. Oh, I thought he said captain's log. No, I think it's in his personal log. Oh, alright. Uh, but this, the log, there's the log business in this episode is weird, and we'll talk about it in a minute. Uh, let's see. Uh, Patrick Stewart, kind of believable as an out-of-touch visitor to 1941. Seems kind of yes. bewildered and lost. Um, the policeman watching Crusher is way into confused and bewildered chicks. <laughs> yes. He finds uh, he finds her behavior very charming. <laughs> she straight up looks like when a dummy. Co- coughs at her powder puff and can't figure <laughs> out how, how to arrange her clothing, etc. <laughs> and he is watching the whole time like, oh, I'm gonna fuck the shit out of this one. I'm gonna invite her to the, see Tommy Dorsey at the <laughs> barn dance. I forget already what yeah, it dude, was. It's a euphemism like Goose Gossage warming up on the bullpen. Yep. Um, it was very important to get that shot of Picard smoking. Yep. Turns out he's just a shill for the tobacco industry. Uh, everybody was pumped to be held at gunpoint. Um, that bullet hole in that 20th century historian, that's karma for being a cock blocker. Yes. Keeps inviting himself along onto shit and ruining their hollow date. Now he needs her to help him. That's right. Picard straight pulled a do you know who I am on the computer. Yes, he did. Computer, this is the captain. Like it was going to go, oh shit, son, the captain's in here. You better identify that goddamn exit. (laughs) He didn't use a special authorization code or anything, (laughs) but he definitely betrays the idea that he thinks the computer is disrespecting him in some way. (laughs) This is the captain. Like, oh shit, oh sorry. Oh, we were just playing. Sorry, 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 sorry. sorry. Here's the exit. We're a civilian. Here's this exit. The other exit is over there. I am very sorry. Uh, I have a Worst Actor nominee in here for Red Block's Henchman. Not the one with the accent, but the other one. The one that goes, one I should throw him in the garbage, boss? Yep. That guy was awful. Yeah, Liam Neeson. <laughs> That's right. That's it's, it's how Liam American Neeson accent. speaks American. Uh, the other henchman reasons it all out. You can't be a space alien, because we've met before and you never mentioned it. Yes. <laughs> That's what he says to Picard, when Picard says that he's from space or whatever. Uh... Dixon Hill's police friend doesn't know when to shut up, or he hella likes getting socked in the mouth. Yep. Because he gets hit a few times. He's mouthy. He has a lot of comments. He might like it. You might be right about him. Uh, here's a major problem. When the door finally opens, shouldn't Jordy, Wesley, and the poor Indian guy, who is Wesley's adult assistant, be standing there? Yeah, they're clearly at the other door. Well, nobody that is door, out there. That door that opens is not the door that Picard went into. <sighs> Yeah, they, no, no, I know. They, that, that. Why is that corridor empty? They probably should have had someone at both doors. Yeah, they probably... I would have, too. Like, <laughs> hey, may, can we try the other door? Let's just try to get in both. Uh, but then it made me think, oh, God, dude, they never leave the holodeck. That's possible, too. This is all... Everything that happens for the next six and a half seasons, and maybe everything in Star Trek after this, is all fake. And they never left the holodeck at all. And that's why... When the guy walks out and he slowly dissolves, it's so unrealistic and stupid. 
It's a good theory. It's a real good theory. Uh, that speech he delivers to the Rada has an awesome opening. This is Captain Picard transmitting from Enterprise. Blarg! Klaxon! <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Bras! Bras! Klaxon! But the opening is great. This is Captain Picard transmitting from Enterprise. Blah! <laughs> it's like, good. I'm glad that happened. And that opening dialogue is like set gravitation to automatic. <laughs> yeah. That's what I had for the, the quickies. Okay, <clears throat> um... Two log entries before the opening credits. Very weird. Wow. So the first log entry Riker gives. Oh. No reason for that. Yeah. Then, uh, but the only reason is because Picard's about to give one before he goes into the holodeck. It's very odd to have two in the teaser. And the teaser's not that long. Yeah, that is kind of weird. Did someone program the holodeck characters to laugh at Starfleet uniforms? That's what I'm saying. I don't understand. And again, in the future, it'll be even extra inconsistent. But it is a weird idea that they should be able to be like... I see your uniform, what you're really wearing, and it's dumb. And this is the same thing as, huh, Data, you look weird. Yep. Like, if you're... They clearly recognize him as Dixon Hill. Yes. Why don't they recognize whatever he's wearing as Dixon Hill's clothes? It doesn't make a lot of sense. It really seems like it makes the program much more inconvenient. Agreed. But maybe there's some some neckbeard, whoever wrote this program, is like, it's immersion breaking. If you don't wear... That's right, you have to Z- wear Your it. zoot suits. So it complies to my standards of role-playing. Uh, this police sergeant is all into Crusher until he sees her swallow her gum. All the other weird shit that made her look like a dummy she was doing, he was fine with. San Francisco must have been a lot more genteel in the 40s if that spooked him. <laughs> like, it is a town of weirdos. Yes. Um, but in this San Francisco, also everybody has a New York accent, so who knows? Yeah, I don't think they've really figured out what they wanted to do with Dixon Hill. Why did they have Picard do that terrible nice place to visit joke and then immediately undercut it like by having Jordy ask Data how it was in the holodeck? Like, a nice place to visit, but I wouldn't want to die there. But that's not the end of the episode. No, because now Jordy's going to go, so Data, how was it? It was a, ra- a rainy Wait. night in the city by the bay. Shut up! Pick Pick one joke! Yeah. Don't um, do one and then immediately step on it. This episode was not fraught with the dialogue monster issues that a lot of them are, but it was still so badly written. Yeah. Uh, who's that 55-year-old lieutenant at Ops? As usual, great career choice. Yep. Um, I just wanted to let everybody know, if they're not in the business, that software engineers of today still use Wesley's debugging microscope. <laughs> like, we use that shit all the time. <laughs> Good. Um, Redblock and Leech. Yeah. Uh, first of all, why was Leech out there? I was 99% sure that when Redblock said that he didn't want to deprive his companion of the joy of killing them, he was talking about Leech because Leech really wanted to kill them. That's but true. then Leech goes with him. Yeah, that's true. That's a really good. Maybe he thought he'd be able to walk back in. I don't know. Yeah. Number two, they disappear well within the line of sight of everybody that's in the holodeck. They're yeah. standing right at the door. That's correct. Well, he's out there disappearing and screaming that he's Cyrus Redblock. <laughs> yeah. It does not seem like anyone in the holodeck noticed that at all. <clears throat> like, to, to them, he seemed to just vanish. He didn't go ten feet. No, he just walked through the door, and then they don't care. But, yeah. like, they definitely would have been able to see that whole performance. Right. Uh, also, no one was stationed at the back door or even walking through that part of the ship. Matthew, best actor. 
irritated about Riker asking him if he's tried the intercom Jordy. <laughs> there are certain times when Jordy's sassiness is good. Worst actor. Happy about the lamp, Data. So I had both of those thoughts also. <clears throat> yeah, Data does. He fucking sucks. Data's not a great character. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, so, again, uh, 21 points, which by my reckoning is the fourth lowest score we've awarded. It's not two, good. Two 19s uh, for Qless and Fight or Flight, and the 15 that we gave the passenger. That is such a garbage nope, episode. Sorry, that's a 19 also. Wait, the passenger was a uh, The 15 was Move Along Home. Move Along Home is the lowest we've ever scored an episode so far. Uh, six and a nine, right? Six and a nine. Yeah, that one was a real <laughs> garbage episode, for sure. So, big goodbye. Fourth lowest we've ever scored an episode here in week 11. Checks out. Uh, it, it's, it's not good as art, but uh, I didn't hate watching it. Uh, but this week we also watched Vortex. A pair of twinned Miradorn are visiting Deep Space Nine, and Odo is suspicious of their motives, and of Quark's. When a strange alien visitor from the Gamma Quadrant kills one in a robbery gone bad, Odo has a chance to learn something about his own mysterious past. But will he strike a deal? Or is his commitment to justice worth more than the key to his origins? Matthew. <coughs> What's this dumb episode about? I had the desire for home or family <coughs> unites even men of moral opposites. Well, that's fun. Hmm. Hmm. What's that worth? I gave it a seven. So to you, this is the Christmas truce on Deep Space Nine. Sort of. It's kind of like way, that. They have a war arc. Do they do a Christmas truce episode? Nah, dude. You know they can't. They do occasionally make like um like a Jem'Hadar a good guy. But it's pretty rare. They wouldn't make enough Jem'Hadar's good guys to, like, to have a Christmas truce. Mm. Mm. Uh, so yeah, that's what I had. Desire for home or family unites even men of moral opposites. Given that that guy is supposed to be a, a murdering sneak thief or whatever, and uh, Odo is uh, always talking about how much he loves justice or whatever. Yeah, so I had what? So it's a question for me. Okay. Would you give up a chance to learn who you are just to appease your sense of justice? Four points. I don't think that's that great. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then under execution, I have, what if the guy was an actual murderer? Zero points. So here's why. <laughs> because he's a murderer! Yes, because at the end of this horseshit episode, oh, boy. so Odo is chosen to take the guy to the Gamma Quadrant, and by the way, does not report a conflict of interest to Cisco in any way about this scenario. He's not like, hey, this guy has got uh he's, he's got my cousin the rock, and he uh he claims to know shit and he keeps trying to make a deal. Not his cousin I don't think I should be the one who takes him back. Not his cousin Dwayne the Rock Johnson. It's a, like a little rock. He's got a little shape shifting locket or with a semi precious gemstone that turns into a key. Doesn't right. matter. Right, right, right. Uh so, he takes him back there, and while he's there, they, we start to learn some sympathetic things about this guy. Like, he's some kind of political refugee. Uh, he, his 
both his wives were killed, at, at least two of them. Yeah. By the way, when you say learning, the guy is telling him this stuff. He's telling you these things. Whether it is true or not is, you know... What, we run into his daughter that he's kept in stasis, and for some reason he's decided now is the time to bring her out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, they try to make this guy sympathetic, and at the end, Odo's like, yep, yeah, go to Vulcan on the Vulcan ship. Just go to Vulcan, you murderer. <laughs> I've seen you murder someone. Like, I was in the room. <laughs> whatever else you can say about... He says that he was there to do that cool robbery because his needs were greater than his abilities yeah. or something like that. Um, which is, uh, so he, basically he's saying he's a treasure hunter. Yeah. Uh, Clever repartee, but, um, you know. You saw him do a murder. Right. And by the way, murder in the commission of a robbery? Yeah, not like. Um, in In our time. That's actually worse than a regular murder. Yeah. It's not like, oh, he was just trying to do a robbery and he shot the guy. Yeah, you murdered somebody on your way to doing more crime. Right. You had The reason you had to murder that guy was because you were trying to do a different crime and you brought a weapon to the place to do it. Yeah. Uh, so no, instead, what he's going to do is he's going to put put these people on a Vulcan ship and the Vulcans are going to believe his story. Yeah. That he they he found them... He saved them from that explosion. Yeah. They're going to take him to Vulcan. And what's he going to do? Is he going to murder on Vulcan? Zero points. <laughs> Come on, Odo. <laughs> I love you. You're throwing out the zeros now. <laughs> the zeros are flying. Uh, two this week. Uh, so far. I got... The guy is a straight murderer, so we agreed on that point. Yes. I said, I mean, it's nice that he has a daughter he misses, but he straight kills a guy in the first act. Yeah. Am I supposed to care about his motivation? And Odo, many, many witnesses, no question that he committed that murder. <laughs> right, and Odo, man, he is also not sympathetic in this episode or most of season one. Like, it makes it hard to give a shit. He's just a real asshole and moody and... But yeah, one's a schemer and one claims to care only for justice and they become a little tag team. I get it. Like, I'm there. I understand what you're doing. It's a three. I gave mm-hmm. it a three. Because okay. I get it. I get what they're doing. But it's not good. Um, but maybe there was some world building. Uh, I think we can agree. There's some world building here. Miradorn have green butt heads. Okay. <laughs> Wouldn't count that. Are they all twins? Is that what he said? I wasn't I, paying attention. I felt like there is something special about them. Oh, okay. Being twins. That they're, these are twinned Miradorn. But that. Which you wouldn't say if all Miradorn were twinned. But you also wouldn't say it if like. They were humans. You wouldn't say they were twin no. humans, because that would no, be a no. weird thing to say. It's clear that that means something, and they don't do a good job of explaining <laughs> what that something is. They know it's important that when one of them dies, the other one is like, like his he's, whole life's mission changes. He's incomplete now. Yeah. Uh, two wives for Croton. That's the name of the sneak thief guy, the murderer. And that, that's, by the way, is also the name of a one-act play. Two, two wives for Croton. <laughs> and crimes against the government mean the death of your family. Unless it's all lies. It's hard to tell. He lies a lot. It um, is hard to tell, but listen, that's been the case in cultures. That's a that's a real China idea. Yeah. Uh, uh, Imperial China. I don't know about current laws. Uh, the only other thing I had was, I don't know if we've seen computer-controlled evasive maneuvers before, but they're in this one. Where he says, computer evasive maneuvers, and the computer does the evasive maneuvers. Yeah. He's obviously not a pilot. I gave it a four. If, if saying it out loud, it feels generous, but I I gave it a four. Uh, so I had some of those same things, right? I had space polyamory, right? Yes. 
uh, uh, so changelings exist in the Gamma Quadrant. Yeah, I guess that's true, yeah. This is the introduction of changelings, the idea that they are... Not just Odo. It's not just Odo, that they But I couldn't give it points because I didn't know whether the guy was lying or not, if I'm watching the first time. Well, he's, he's got that locket. He's a big I mean, liar. It uses the same visual effect as Odo. <laughs> that's true, that's true. Like, he's got an artifact, so some of what he's saying is true. I, what I don't know is true is their history of persecution and how that'll play into their later arc. Right. But, like... Definitely, there's something. Okay. He he came must have come from the other side. I think I don't know if they've even said yet that they found him in space or whatever. Right. But I, he came through the wormhole. Yes, he did. Uh, I just I don't know if that's been acknowledged yet. But anyway, change exists on the other side. That's pretty big. Uh, but that's it. Shape shifting lockets are dumb. It's a very dumb idea. <laughs> yep. Uh, five. I give it a five. Okay. Uh, characterization. What'd you have? Um. Oh well. Here's. I'll just read it verbatim. Uh, Odo's commitment to justice seems pretty unshakable, but in the end, I guess it's okay to put the murderer on the Vulcan ship. This is a real no problem. one else in this episode. Two points. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Let's see. Uh, I mean, some people are legitimately not in this episode. I don't think Bashir's in it at all. Thank God. That's a. That should be bonus points. Odo's need to find out about his origins makes him damn obvious. Just starts begging Quark for information. Yep. Starts threatening to murder his prisoners. Yep. Seems like he might have some data-esque issues. He's like a loose cannon in a really bad way that you don't need. Like, if I, he was a robot, I'd shut him down, is what I mean. Um, Cisco was incredibly patient when he went to investigate Croden's homeworld, because those guys were fucking assholes, and he They just, were big ol' assholes. He just kind of took it, unlike when Jake comes home late for dinner. Yep. And he fucking explodes on that dude. Uh, I, and I have no other main characters appear in this episode outside of Quark, and a line here or there from a few folks. And as we've discussed, we're not really seeing a lot of character development from Quark. He's kind of... Already, he's locked it in. He's Quark, and... I don't want to punish him for it. It's just like, I'm not learning anything about him, and I don't care about him. Well, I mean, characterization isn't just character development. Yeah. It's, like, it's I also... think there are points for consistency or for bringing out an aspect of a character that's already been established. But uh, anyway, the, 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 this is not a Quark episode, and he doesn't he doesn't steal the scene either. Right. So I gave it a three. Characterization. Okay. Uh, while I added all of that up, I don't have very many quick hitters but there are a couple of things uh i like the return of quark's secret access wands right yes those are fun um odo is heavier than he looks says the changeling yeah yeah, yeah, i had a real problem with this unless he's impersonating a glass then rom can carry him on a tray with four other glasses with four other four other glasses yeah so that just doesn't make any sense uh the, the ship, the Miradorn Raider, we're going to see it again in Gambit. Yes, indeed. So, uh, reuses of ships. Um, that's a, They're mercenaries in Gambit. There's no reason they couldn't have bought a Miradorn ship. Or that the Miradorn... We don't know anything about the Miradorns. So or they that just the Miradorn bought the ship from the same people that... Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Galen? Bar- Baron. Baron. The Baron buys the ship for... Baran? Uh, Bar- Bar- Baran? I don't Baran. fucking remember. Something anyway, like stay tuned. We'll talk about Gambit in week <laughs> seven thousand. 
boy, it's a uh, it's real it's a, deep. It's a ways from now. It's deep. Um, in we hold on. But in real life, that episode aired a year after this one. Yes, uh, one fifty-five. Oh boy! Oh. But it is a two-parter, so I will get to ask you how excited you are about Gambit Two. I feel like you already know the answer to that question. <laughs> all right, uh, Odo says, "Are you are, are you good?" That's it. That's okay. all I got for quick hitters. Uh, Odo says to Quark that the dude didn't want to talk to Cisco when he arrived at the station, and Quark goes, "Who would?" And I couldn't agree more. Yeah, it's, but it's a very good observation out of Quark. Who would want to talk to Cisco? Uh, Odo. I mean, was... the dude doesn't want to be there. No, it really, comes through. It really does. <coughs> Odo was one of the glasses. That's shocking. Yeah, that's very dumb. Uh, I think this episode actually proves that the show about Frontier Outpost shit would still suck with these shit writers. You know how you always talk about how the, the show was looking promising? Cause it was yeah, this about... is a good point. This is the show, like, because there's no re- there's nothing that about this that needs to be Gamma Quadrant. Yeah, it's just this like... This just be... Oh, oh, I know where there are more shapeshifters. This, essentially, Birthright. Right? This is Birthright, and it's like, uh, thieves and Miradorns and all kinds of unsavory characters are coming to the Old West. And uh, Odo's the sheriff, but now he's got a personal stake in it. And it's like, no, it still sucks because these writers suck. Yeah, you're right. Uh, listen, the the writers made the decision to to violate my tenant right away. So, <laughs> yes. yes. Well, obviously, with them in charge, it still wouldn't be a good show. Right. None of the problems so far... I mean, they haven't really been in the Gamma Quadrant yet. Yes. None of the problems so far are about that decision. I agree. It's just, uh, you know, what could have been. Yeah. Uh, okay, so this guy's from the Gamma Quad? I feel like my mind was wandering through this whole episode. It took me a long time to realize that that was true. Yep. Uh, let's see. These aliens are hella jerks. Klingons, so... Klingons found him and brought him in, by the way. Okay, alright. Uh, sis, let's see. Uh, these aliens are hella jerks. Cisco was nicer to that guy, um, when he talked on the view screen than he's ever been to anybody. Uh, dog, that Miradorn Raider's the mercenary vessel from Gambit. Uh, yeah, for sure. I... That's very, very bad and wrong that you thought I wouldn't catch that, but I, yes. I think that dude's daughter was a 38-year-old playing a 13-year-old. That's it. Yep, yeah, could've been. That's all I had. Could've been. Um... So it's 28 points, which is not a great score, but it's not actually not that bad for Deep Space Nine recently. It's right around their average. Uh, it is. Their average is 29.2. Okay. <coughs> so Mostly from the first six weeks when they were better. So they're still not doing work. They're not digging out. But maybe they're... Uh, no, maybe the average they've... is still going down, but like the trend line is definitely up because they last scored higher than, uh, than 28 in uh, week seven with Dax, which scored 35 points. Is that right? Wait, that episode was so bad, though. It was not good. But, dog, that episode was real. That was a garbage episode. Mm. When you said Dax, I had a bad feeling inside. Anyway, oh, they've had wow. three in a row worse than this episode. So a little bit of a, a upward trend in terms of points. Maybe uh, they I gave out. I gave best actor here to low rent Rogadanar. Yeah, I mean... Which, I so uh, that's Croden, There I were guess. only, like, three people in the episode, so sure, I guess. Yeah, and worst actor, Vulcan captain who can't pronounce the word Ganges. <laughs> I know! <laughs> I, I saw that, too. <laughs> she definitely said Ganges. Ganges. That's how that's pronounced, um, right? Ganges? Yep. It's the, the famous river, the Ganges. <laughs> uh, so not amazing uh, Deep Space Nine this week, but it will not be the first episode you watch next week because uh 
still better than the big goodbye uh, on points. Yes, That's I, mostly my fault, but even you scored Vortex 2 higher than the big goodbye. It's true that I watched the episodes in reverse order of how they scored, except for TOS, which is a floater. Um, yeah. Because I don't want it to be in the same slot every week, every week in case that's why it's sucking or something. So. <laughs> Just get in case of burnout, essentially, is what you're saying. Right. Um, so that was Deep Space Nine. But this week, we also watched... Uh, Heroes and Demons. I want to say before uh, you jump in Mm. that uh, this week when I was watching it, I once again had the thought, this is a really good theme song. Yeah, it's, um, again, it's it's filled with all the wonder and... um like the majesty of like a, a a noble ship exploring out in space or whatever and not that part particularly but sort of the b section of the theme where it goes da 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 is very like the music to star trek 1 uh which is you know so, near like and near they got some star trek there's some star trek <clears throat> calls in there without having to echo the TNG music at all. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's my favorite of the themes. It's a it's a pretty good theme. Um, I didn't even bother writing down the the plot description of this. I uh, Voyager is beaming aboard samples from a proto star when they discover that Harry Kim is missing in a holodeck version of Beowulf. Soon, Chakotay and Tuvok are gone too, and only the Doctor can rescue them for holodeck reasons. Beowulf. Yeah, I uh, I was gonna say that I think. This is why I watch them in reverse order every week because I I think I started to feel burned out on this one. Mm-hmm. I had a real hard time watching it. Um, so here's what I got. Okay. Real personal growth comes from taking on new and unfamiliar challenges. <laughs> this whole stupid plot about whether the doctor is he a person, he goes through a bunch of shit in this episode and learns a lesson about himself or whatever. Blah blah blah. <clears throat> that's that's why. Okay, so what's that worth for you? That's ah, a five. So five. What's the lesson he learns about himself? Uh, th- that it. He, what's the growth? I just want to know. If he has a trauma, he has to change his name every time. There's a trauma. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the problem with what you have cobbled. Well, together. I'm just saying. I mean, Kess straight up tells him that right at one point. She's like, "You gotta, you know, you gotta act outside your norms and shit if you want to." Be like a real Starfleet person or whatever. And then he goes and he does that. And yeah, I don't know whether he actually learns anything. It's not good. Um. So. All right. That's worth five points to you. Okay, that's fine. Um. <laughs> I, I sense it's not fine. <laughs> I had a hard, I had a hard time with this episode. Yeah. With like. Because what it's about, just like in The Big Goodbye, is that the holodeck is not safe. I know. (laughs) Get rid of them. That's exactly my... Yes. Just put a regular movie theater in. Yeah. Um, I will get to that in my quick hitters, I think. uh, Yeah, I think it's in the quick hitters where I make that exact suggestion. They get into trouble in this episode because something that they assume couldn't possibly be a life form... Turns out to actually be sentient life, right? Yeah. They're doing a thing that seems harmless, and it's something that Starfleet does all the goddamn time, which is they're just beam some samples on board. Yeah. 
of something that shouldn't be alive. Anyway, it turns out it's pissed. Um, it's it's the monster, but then it is also Grendel. But in Beowulf, I don't think they like. There's not a, a big part of Beowulf at the beginning where they're just fucking with Grendel for no reason. Hmm. So it's kind of the parallel sort of falls apart. Anyway, I have look but don't touch question mark. Like, what are we supposed to learn from this? Yeah, science is bad, it turns out. Stop doing it. Stop Stop experimenting. That's uh, three points. Um, I feel like you... There is an opportunity. Wait, wait, wait. Sometimes you, you will send me what you think is the cynical take on episodes. <laughs> yes. And that you usually try to then come up with something better. I feel like this week you maybe just went with some of the cynical takes. No, that was... I Did I send you a cynical take for this particular <laughs> one? Well, yeah. I, send me I, one that earned zero. I, let me see. Let me just scroll back and see what I sent you. <laughs> you sent me as, sent me one that was a zero and a ten on execution for for comedy reasons. Uh, man, we talk a lot. Oh uh, yeah, it's hard. We chat am, all day on the machine. I am scrolling and scrolling. It was uh, something about. Um, uh, oh, hang on. Something about CGI was. <laughs> was the oh yeah, yeah. Uh, don't. <laughs> Don't do C. But the, by the way, that's for Enterprise. That was not oh, for okay. Voyager. Okay, well, that, right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I if I had a what, what my cynical first take for this one was because it feels cynical. Is, well, but it's like there's an opportunity for an episode here. I think we've talked about this a little bit before. Where like, stop trying to do Federation shit. Yeah. Go home. Yes, yes, yes. If your mission is to go home, make that the mission and go home. Like, you're trying to get home. Don't, don't go check out the cool protostar. Every time they pass anything, they're like, maybe we should check it out. Yeah, let's, uh, let's go do some science. That's it's going to take us 75 years anyway. Might as well take us 175. Anyway, they get into trouble here for no fault of their own, etc. Yep. So it's like, I don't know. I, I didn't feel like the doctor learned anything. Like... Well, this could go to execution, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh... So here's what I wrote for execution. Mm. I guess in a world where anything could be a life form, Chakotay's very, very dumb no tricorders order starts to make more sense. <laughs> but let's not pretend like they had this idea. So, but also three points. Okay. The episode's actually not that badly made. It's just... This, is all the, just, this feels very cynical, though. <laughs> yeah, look. <laughs> look, what do you want? This I is not... But this this is, is not a good episode. Understood. But this is the mission of this podcast... Is, is to, to find the art. Yeah. And I feel like what you're saying is, you guys did a bad job. Instead of <laughs> saying, maybe this is what they were trying to do. Well, here's the thing. I couldn't figure out what they were trying I to know, do. I know, and that is often the challenge on this. Is that, because they're not good at writing, it's not apparent. Because is the premise of this episode, hey, Beowulf was pretty cool. Yeah, basically. Somebody wanted to do a Beowulf episode. Somebody purchased a script about Beowulf, and then they turned it into this. So, uh, and the, but also specifically, hey, the first like, yeah, the first ten percent of Beowulf was cool because they don't even get to Grendel's mom. I don't in this think one. they could figure out how to put all of Beowulf into this one episode. Like, there's a lot, Be- a lot of Beowulf goes on and on. Yeah. <laughs> Beowulf uh, dies in Beowulf. It, it doesn't <laughs> happen in this story. No. Here's what I got: the Doctor is hella nervous about going into the holodeck to fight a demon. And he does do sword fights. And he sexes a lady. He never seems to be nervous when he's in there, though. Yeah, he looks a little unhappy when he's in this first sword fight before he realizes he can pull his trick. Yeah. Uh, and he, so he does sword fights. He sexes a lady. I mean, I assume they sex. I don't really know. Yeah, I wasn't paying attention. He beats a monster down, right? And he 
and well, kinda, and he and he loses a love. So y- you know he's on his way to being almost a real man after this adventure, even if the whole thing sucked. But he um, can just go play Beowulf next week, and she'll be back. This is what I was also saying. Dude can't keep his name because something sad happened while he had it. He can also just go in there and say, "Computer, let me fuck that lady from Beowulf last week." <laughs> It'll know. No, I don't want to play Beowulf. I just want to fuck that lady. But, like, sad shit happens all the time, and you can't just change your name every time to get away from it. And, yeah, you can just, like, you know, I have it in Quick Hitters. Dude watched Hollow Freya die and lets old Beardo just take the lamp and walk away. But it's yeah. like, hey, Dildo, you can just recreate her later. Like, hey, she. I know that there's something going on here because you're not real either and she's not real. Yeah, you feel. But, like, hey, dog, there's stakes. Yeah. She made up, and her death ain't real. So, while I believe the Doctor did go on a journey full of experiences he'd never had before and all that, uh, it gets a four. It gets a four. Give mm. it a four. Character, uh, world building, sorry. Uh, well, uh, let's see. It all takes place on the fucking holodeck, and whatever kind yeah. of energy monster that was is not worth anything to me. Photonic energy? More like botonic energy. Yep. <laughs> One point. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, holodecks are even more dangerous than we thought, I guess. Yeah. Like, we knew that the safeties could go wrong and they can kill you, but, and by the way, it doesn't end up being what happens, but everybody thinks there's a real good chance the holodeck could just be sucking people in. Yep. Disappearing them forever. They don't get to this, it's an alien thing until pretty late in the game. So their operating principle is, ah, they, fuck, they got sucked up into the holodeck. Holodeck straight up ate them all. Their energy patterns on the ship somewhere, Lonely Among Us style. Fucking holodeck went, nom, 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 just ate them all up. I just ate them up. (laughs) Um, uh, Force field ceiling hull breaches. I don't think we've seen that yet. In this project, we might not have, yeah. No. Um... Also, holodecks and replicators and transporters are all part of a common design lineage. Like, those are the three things the system affects. Uh, it's not much, but th- that's what I found. And you know what? Um, that's one of the few things about Star Trek technology that makes sense when you think about it. Yeah, you know, they do seem it. like they would be related. Yeah. Uh, th- uh, I gave it a three. Okay. Um, uh, characterization. Go nuts. Um... They really want us to care about this whole Doctor Name Dilemma, huh? I wonder if it will ever pay off. Dude, seriously, this is like the third or fourth episode that we've talked about this. I, um, I don't care. Another Voyager app played by Little League rules. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Everybody well, gets a fucking hand in. I was very happy that, well, you can just keep going. You go on. Well, when Harry Kim gets his line at the end? <laughs> I, I had in the characterization, I loved Garrett Wang's performance in this episode. Yeah, Because he uh, wasn't in it! Just great. Uh, he just shows up at the end and asks, "Where was I?" Yep. Anyway, uh, I gave it three points for characterization. Like, I didn't see much growth in the in the Doctor, and they're putting too much emphasis on his name, yeah, as a proxy for is he a real person or not, which is so oversimplified and dumb. And this episode does nothing to tackle the question of whether he's a real person or not. Mm-hmm. Instead, he interacts with a bunch of other fake people. And gets sad when one of them dies. Exactly right. <clears throat> yeah, I had a three as well. Doctor goes on a boring journey and acts like a big, fat, boring loser. Is what I had. Uh, Chakotay continues his role as lore master of the stars. <laughs> yep, he knows about Beowulf. He knows all about Beowulf and all tales that people tell. Yes. Uh, Janeway, He's got that shit on lockdown. Janeway and Balana and even Paris are good at engineering. Yep, yep, Paris. Well, see, 
Kim is missing, and he's usually number three. They should just made Paris go missing in the holodeck. He they loves should've. playing in the holodeck. Or they could have resurrected Lieutenant Carey. <laughs> I know he's not actually dead. Give him something to do. But like... <coughs> you want to see more Carey. Last week, he was important. Yeah. Wait, was it last week or... I don't know. It all runs together. Was it fucking Prime Factors or State of Flux? Which one was it? State of Flux. Okay, so it was last week. He was in it last week. Yeah. He was not guilty of any crime. There's no reason he couldn't still be in it. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> That's good reasoning, too. I'm just saying, like, he's not in the brig right now. They could have called him yeah. to talk about their engineering problem. Uh, Janeway shows she has faith in the Doctor and lets him finish the mission. You know, because she needed him to. Because he, he was the only one who could do it. Uh, Kest still cares about the Doctor. And I loved Garrett Wang's performance in this episode. It's a three. Um, she cares about the Doctor. She does, like, for being the number two person in the Doctor's personal story arc, mm. she doesn't have much in this episode. Yeah, she just gives him a pep talk. Like, hey, get in that holodeck and mix it up. You know, I'm Kess. My name is Kess and I'm Kess. <laughs> uh, so it's uh, it's 25 points. I have a few quick hitters. Do it! Uh, can't we leave poor Beowulf alone as a society? Yeah. Like, this is not far removed in time from the Angelina Jolie Beowulf movie. Well, if you yeah. think about when this Voyager episode was made and when they did that, like... We should especially leave it alone if these are the versions we're going to do. Yeah, if this is what we're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, uh, what if in the last hundred years since we last saw him, uh, Balok from the Corbomite Maneuver mm. has evolved into a being of pure energy? And the reason I ask is because the stoplight in this episode looks a lot like the Fasarius. <laughs> That's true. That is kind of true. Um, obviously you must have caught Janeway's new hairstyle yeah it was a real bummer I didn't it's like the old one but boy did someone program the holodeck to be racist this is the same question that I had uh, because it is super 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 duper clear hmm. that when Freya saw Harry Kim she was like oh, look at this Chinaman he looks like a weirdo because when Chakotay and two, and also when Chakotay and Tuvok shows up, she's like, you guys aren't Danes. Yep. Like, hey, hang on a second. Hey, They're in Beowulf. Holodeck. They're probably supposed to be Danes. Yeah, the holodeck's acting weird this week for sure. Like, hey, we're, hey, we're playing Beowulf. <laughs> this Can is you Beowulf. not be like, what's a black guy? At? And uh, uh, I guess an Indian? What are you guys doing in here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh uh, yeah. Oh, Beowulf? Yeah. Yeah, he's the weirdest looking dude I ever saw. Straight black hair. Never seen someone like that before. He got these no, crazy, crazy eyes. It's crazy as shit. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you caught that Freya is the leader of the Mars Resistance in, in Babylon 5. That was my very first quick hitter. But did you know she's also in Space Rangers? No, I did not remember anything about Space Rangers. Did you know her stunt double on this episode is Lita Alexander? Oh boy! It's like yeah. a family reunion. And then I said, this is already the third or fourth time we're stopping to do a little science has gotten Voyager into trouble. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's what I had for, for quick hitters. But yeah, a little bit of a little bit of a B5 family. That's reunion. nice. That's kind of sweet. Um, yeah, so my first quick hitter was the blonde chick in, from Babylon 5, is the blonde chick in this. Uh, I already have a really bad feeling about this episode. I don't particularly like seeing Star Trek characters in other fantasy settings, like that thrice-damned Robin Hood episode of TNG. Yeah, that one's worse because it's real. Yeah. 
Uh, an awful lot of technical analysis we are forced to sit through in this episode. There is a lot of techno babble and engineering gobbledygook as they try to figure out what is happening. It's protonic energy, Matt, which I assume means it's made of protons? You know, like normal matter? Yes, the, but seriously? You know protonic matter? Oh, you mean like all matter? There must be has protons? 13 minutes of them just doing stuff in engineering that is not interesting. Yeah. Uh, oh, look, there's Tom Paris. I forgot he was on the show. Um, so when do we shut down the holodeck for good? Seems As, like again, yeah. a lot of deadly and potentially deadly accidents happening there. Two this week. Um, when do we shut down Kess for good? <laughs> That's my next question. Um, the doctor in a search for a name. All the silly music and the doctor quipping is a real bummer. Uh... Dude watched Hollow Freya die, and let's all be okay. I already said that part. That's it. That's all I had. I really did not enjoy watching this episode. Well, regardless of the, the score, second worst score of the week. So yeah, and quite a fall from their average. It wasn't good. It wasn't a good episode at all. It was about no. nothing, and it wasn't interesting. Um, I gave best actor this week to Freya when she has to cozy up to the doctor. Well, you got to act real hard. Right. Be Acting like she dude. wants him to come find her bedroll. Oof, boy. Uh, worst actor, Harry Kim can't even manage one line. <laughs> he's got one line. It's, I didn't believe it. I didn't believe that he'd been somewhere else. He's really a bad actor. Like, he's you know, not a good actor. Sometimes we make fun of some of the actors because they're not doing a great job or whatever, but he, like, consistently is uh, wooden. He just reads off the page, and you're like, what is... Why did he get the job? It's like uh, Spiner's problem. Hmm. Is that he's not as good an actor as he thinks he is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Frakes' problem is that he is a dumb person in his <laughs> personal life, and sometimes it comes through. It really does. Garrett Wang can't act. Yeah, it's real bad. It's a problem. He, he's not good at portraying another person in a way that makes him seem like a person. Yeah. It, I. Do you think he can read? Maybe that's the problem. Maybe he is just reading off the page, but it's compounded by the fact that he can't read. Uh, I'm super jazzed that we went this whole episode without saying the doctor's name. And you know why? He repudiates it in the end, so yeah. fuck it. Fuck him. He can eat a dick. Uh, what else uh, did we watch? This week, we watched Silent Enemy. They me down. Telefrancais fantastique! Telefrancais! 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 I can do this one. I can do this one. I didn't do the last one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do this one. Enterprise encounters an unknown alien species who, not content simply to spy on Archer and company, begins to probe their defenses. After taking some damage, Archer orders that they cut their mission of discovery short and go back home to Earth to finish getting their weapons installed. The crew sees this as an admission that humanity ain't ready to be in deep space, and they rush to install the weapons themselves. Meanwhile, it's Lieutenant Reed's birthday. Will the aliens buy him a Colorado Rockies pennant because they don't know what he likes? (laughs) that's it (laughs) I'm sorry was that personal for you no 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 no, no. I just that's something somebody might do if they didn't if they didn't know what their grandson if they hadn't made any effort to know anything about you at all yeah if they didn't know their own grandson and they just like I like the Rockies then maybe that's what they would do get them a Rockies pennant maybe the aliens will do that for Lieutenant Reed (sighs) um okay oh by the way 
how come Archer, he could have solved the problem if he told the aliens it was Lieutenant Reed's birthday? I think so, too. They hey, guys, guys, come on. Come on it's, it's, uh, it's we're celebrating a birthday. birthday over here, and we really don't like how you're, like, kind of ruining the party. Can what? you not shoot at us and shit and be enigmatic and weird? Because he's, he's turning, like, 31? It's really important. All right. What did you think this thing was about? Okay, so Always it's a, a question. It's a question, so you know it's not going to get a high score. <laughs> right. Uh, how do you deal with an enemy who refuses to communicate but is capable of it? It's a reverse Darmok. Mm. Four, four points. Uh, Darmok, for those who are not aware, is yeah, everyone knows what Darmok okay, is. The wonderful TNG episode from season five. <clears throat> that was a four. Uh, yeah, so the, uh, of course, uh, we got two silent enemies in the episode Silent Enemy. There's the bad guys, and there's Malcolm Reed. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And Neither also, one of them will communicate. And also, that's what, that's what you call a fart. That's what you call also, a fart. Also, you don't see it, but his dog, what's his dog's name? Copernicus? I don't remember. <laughs> Cuts the fucking cheese uh, real bad, but it's real. Dogs don't have butt cheeks, so it's totally silent. Yeah. Um. I had the dog. You ready for this? Yeah. Is humanity ready for this great big fucking event? Oh my god! It cannot. It cannot be that again. Every week is the same premise. They almost literally say it in half of them, including this one. Oh, this one they super say it. They just say it. Uh, let me jump into execution. So. <clears throat> Despite... Oh, no, you have to give a score. Oh, it's a four. Okay. It's getting less every time. Well, it should, because <laughs> it's it's, it's not it's not an interesting question anymore. Yeah. The answer is always going to be yes. Uh, despite this being a recycled concept, they do a fine job of taking us back through it. Uh-oh. The nameless super alien-esque baddies make a perfect concept alien to play against. Because we don't ever have to worry about who they are or what they want because they refuse to identify themselves. Um, so you can just kind of play against them and you don't have to worry about consequences. Uh, super lazy to have them go out there without their phase cannons. But I guess it gives the crew something to do to prove that they can get the job done. Um, but all the Enterprise problems are present. It's always a shoot 'em up They come to no understanding of any kind with this enemy, who remain ghoulish and awful until they are shot and run away. Uh, lame technobabble solution to their technobabble problems. Which is my least favorite thing about Star Trek. I, uh, I gave it a, I gave it a three. Okay. I thought it was going to be good based on your first couple of sentences. They were on their way to good if it wasn't so bad. Uh, so, so my question is, how do you deal with an enemy who refuses to communicate? Uh, my execution is, I guess you violate medical ethics and get into a space fight? One point. Yeah, exactly. That's it's, Enterprise. They don't, they don't come up with a good way to deal with it. Yes. They just they just shoot the guys. I mean, the guys shoot them first. It doesn't matter. Yeah, Picard would have let they, them shoot it like 500 more times. All, all they do is fight them in space. Uh-huh. And for Malcolm Reed, the doctor just happens to know he's allergic to pineapple, but he's taking shots to eat pineapple anyway. So his it's his pineapple, guys. Yeah. Yes, uh, it, I didn't even. I say that by the way because it's the co A plot. It's not I even know. the B plot. They and, spent so much time on it, and I realized that, and I still couldn't include it because what do I even do with that? What do you say? What do I do with it? What do I do with Lieutenant <clears throat> Reed? 
I don't know. Uh, what was that worth for execution? Sorry, one. One. Um, world building. Enterprise always does some, right? Yeah. Uh, so we got phase cannons. Yep. They're not phasers. They don't behave like phasers. They're sort of the prelude to phasers, right? Sure. Uh, that's not that interesting. The Royal Navy still exists. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's something. It's definitely... His dad is definitely pissed that he didn't go into the Royal Navy. Instead, he went into Starfleet. So, that's still kicking around out there. Right. Um, All of the business was subspace. So, the laying down the amplifiers so that they can communicate. Oh, the fact yeah. that they've been out of touch. So, there's some world building there. Okay. Um, futuristic allergy medicine. Uh, yeah. They've got it. It exists. Three points. Anyway... Not not amazing world building, but they always do some. You talked me up to a two. Okay. All I really had was the face cannons were never installed, apparently. I don't know if I fell asleep or what, but I couldn't detect much world building in this shitter. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the thing about the, <coughs> the subspace relays. I'll, I'll, the Royal Navy didn't earn a point, but I, the subspace relays will. It's actually not the first time they've mentioned some subspace business, so. Um, characterization. Uh, Archer seems to vacillate between goofy, grinning moron and downright asshole from, yep. like, week to week. Um, he's so stoked that T'Pol hasn't seen this alien ship before. Uh-huh. Same as when they, they um, when they find that M-Class world that's not on the charts. It's just like, could you just, could you Just not, not be a little bitch? Could you just not needle her? Like, just find out what it's like. To go She's barely in this episode. A couple of days without needling your Vulcan science officer. Um, yep. Now he makes finding out what Reed likes for dinner a, quote, top priority in the yep. middle of this alien thing. Yeah. But he also just blabs Reed's personal shit to anyone who will talk to him. Well, uh, yeah. He just, like, walks That's around true. telling everyone about Lieutenant Reed's parents and how they don't like him. And how uh, no one knows this guy, and what's up with him anyway. Yeah. Good job, Captain. Um, still. Yeah, they all talk about him on the bridge, you know, like where he works. Right, exactly. <laughs> just all just talking about his shit to everybody. Still. Paul knows what's going on. Did this archer not... This archer, this version of archer for this week, did he not contact the Vulcans for help? He did, right? No. He didn't? No. Oh, he attempted to contact him, but they were but jamming the, him. He was gonna, but they, they, the relay was destroyed. I give I give him credit for attempting to contact the Vulcans. Yeah, Swal- I guess so. Swallowing I his guess pride. That's something. Uh, Reed is still on the show, but they decided to go with uninteresting as his primary character trait. Yeah. Like, even his own family has no idea what he's like. Yep. Uh, but at least we find out that pineapple is his favorite food. Yay, everyone. Uh, Trip made up a girlfriend back home. Right? I mean, we're pretty sure about that. Yeah, it's 90% sure there's no such person as Natalie. Made right? me wonder how many people throughout human history have pulled that one. Just, like, out on a ship somewhere, like, no one's ever gonna know. Who's gonna look into it? Yeah, I got a girl back home, for sure. No, you don't. You, you But you don't, though. You don't. Um, this is gonna do, I think, a man trap situation, where Archer's gonna have a log about being that one woman <laughs> in Tripp's life, and then they're gonna go down the street and be like, I've never... I don't know who that I, is. I don't know who that is. Uh, Hoshi did the double mix-up of making Reed think that she wanted him, and then making him think that she thought that idea was gross. 
Happy birthday, Malcolm. Yep. Um, flock... Everyone got in your business for no reason. <laughs> That's right. Fox just lets her into Reed's medical records because she asks nicely. So I'm glad he's keeping that shit locked down. Yep. I'm going to give it a four. Guys, I, there, there's there's not even a moment where she's thinking like, oh, God, he's going to he's gonna tell and the next person who asks about my herp. That's right, yeah. If he can give that shit away, he's going to give all your weird secrets away. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, I give it a four on characterization. Uh, Yeah, Trip is such a baby about going back to Earth to rearm. Yeah. Like, takes it way too personal. Archer also is way too upset about the idea that they might not be prepared for what's out there. Also, how... How inflexible is Archer... That when he cannot get Malcolm's favorite food out of his parents, he doesn't abandon the plan to make his birthday present. Food. Food. Yeah. He's just like, no, I'm just going all in on this dumb thing I thought of. Yep. Um, I guess this episode is meant to explain why Malcolm is such a cipher. But he's, is he a... Is he Three a points. cipher, or is he just just nothing? Just they, just like, they just haven't spent any time on him at all. Yeah, and no then, one cares. Even the writers don't care. No one cares. Much as in the episode Dax, in which Dax doesn't talk at all. Yeah. Here's an episode about Malcolm in which the 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 key thing about Malcolm is that he... Yeah. He, You'll never learn anything about him. He's, it's impossible to know him. And not in a cool, interesting way. No. Like, um, like Garrick. Or somebody. Right. You're like, oh, his backstory is such a mystery. It's like, no, just no, don't don't worry about it. Yeah, it's not it's not gonna happen. Yeah. So just don't even think about it. It's not it's not happening. Uh, Matthew, if overloading the phasers I give it a three, by the way, I don't know if I said that. Yeah. If overloading the phasers causes a lot more phaser energy to be emitted, why does it also cause more energy to go into the rest of the ship? <laughs> it sounds like a bad design. <laughs> Where's all of that energy going? Like if it's going into the phasers, it doesn't matter. Yep, don't worry about it. Yep. Uh, the dude's secret favorite food is pineapple. I also thought that was pretty weak. I mean, anything would be anticlimactic, right? Yes. But pineapple well, is especially anticlimactic. Would it be anticlimactic if it was people? Well, people's no. It would be people. a very different story. Yes. Uh, also, I don't know. But like... I couldn't decide at the end when he was like, pineapple? That's my favorite. How did you know? I, I couldn't decide if it was dumb. <laughs> yes. Or if it would have been dumber if he was like, I hate pineapple. Yeah, well, certainly would. Well, like, which is a hackier, worse ending to this dumb episode? It's true that the the earnestness of this ending, I think, gives it just a little bit more merit. Than being like, no, you still didn't learn anything. Still nothing about Reed that you know. Yeah. So, but they're both pretty dumb. Because the whole plot's dumb. It's just it's just not great. Uh, we gave this episode 24 points. I got some um, quick hitters. Yeah, oh, sorry, of course you no, do. That's okay, I don't have many. Uh, Enterprise Encounters and Un... Oh, that's the description. Is Reed's family just this writer's take on British people? Yep, for sure, it's racist. It's definitely racist. Yes. Oh, man, I hate when we get into a day-to-day situation of just showing us the whole gang having a good time and facing regular everyday problems. <laughs> Natalie from Pensacola? Fuck, dude. 
Oh shit, yeah. does that mean he's from the south? Is Trip from the south? Yep. <laughs> pan pan fried catfish. Yep, that checks out. I got it. I'm right there. Uh, we just figured out where he's from. This is the first time they talked about it. <coughs> oh, you fucking cracked it. I know. Uh, maybe not very nice to tell Trip he gets to say goodbye to that made-up girl after all. Like, Yeah, that's not cool. Super insensitive. Why would you say that? It's really rude, actually. <laughs> I should put that in characterization. It was very rude. It's a shitty thing to say. That's all I got. It's going to tease the guy about his made-up girlfriend. <laughs> we know he's Manti Teo or whatever that guy was. <laughs> yep. Uh, it's one of those great things that was like the biggest thing in the world for the yeah, week that it happened and no one I wouldn't, and at this point I'm not 100% sure I remembered the guy's name <laughs> so right. uh, hey dude when are they going to stop telling us that he's from the south like when are they uh, going to trust us never are they going to trust last... us ever to figure this out on our own uh, I peeked ahead the last episode of Enterprise is called Trips from the South <laughs> at least we finally figure it out for good yeah uh, they finally lay it to rest <laughs> Uh, uh, so you said we gave it 25. Well, we gave it 24. Okay. Actually, so second worst of the week. Um, Still feels generous. Deserved, I think. Mm. I didn't love watching Heroes and Demons, the Beowulf episode. Um, but this episode was, I don't know. So this is the one where I did send you my cynical first take. (laughs) Yes. Which was, don't do CGI unless you have the time and money to do it right. Because when the fucking, when the aliens are on the Enterprise. Yeah. They look like that UPN fake documentary about an alien invasion. <laughs> Incident in Lake County? That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> but, like, even worse. <laughs> they look like you would see in a Voyager episode about Captain Rocket or whatever the fuck. You know what I'm talking <sighs> yeah, about. Yeah, Captain Proton, unfortunately. Captain Proton. They look like they would be the aliens in that holodeck. Yeah. Like, deliberately bad and, and like, 50s style. But no, No, I guess that was the best they could do. Uh, So that one, I had the cynical take, uh, which is a zero-point take, and because it's not applicable to anybody, uh, except producers of TV shows. So that's why that's worth zero. Yeah, but Uh, you gave it combined a 10 in... in, um... That is correct, because they executed it perfectly. (laughs) The aliens are so bad, I was tempted to scrub forward through the... (laughs) Until they were off the screen. And also, the Echo 2 amplifier that we see at the beginning was way below TOS quality. That was Babylon 5 quality CGI, <laughs> yeah. when we see that fucking thing at the beginning. I was going to say, I think they're using... This is unfortunate. They're using that same Amiga. They're using the same technology that Voyager uses for a certain species later on in the run of the show. Oh, no. That you will also go, wait a minute. Are they trolling? This is, they're trolling us. This is not real. Like, just just put somebody in a mask. Like, just do it. Absolutely. You have alien makeup. You do it all the time. Yeah. CGI, not necessary. What did you really give it in um, Take and Execution? Uh, four and a one. See, it earned twice as many points with your cynical one. That is true. My <laughs> cynical one actually was, was quite a bit better for the... For the <laughs> overall score of the episode. So this week kind of... stuck with it. Kind of proves that... Although sometimes the ones with bad scores we really liked, like the big goodbye. Other times the ones with bad scores we really hated, like uh, like this one. Yeah. I mean, it was... It was bad cheese. Not good at all. Voyager, I thought, was really terrible. I, I did not enjoy it. I didn't like Deep Space Nine. Really not a good episode. Deep Space Nine, man, such a problem. Every time we're about to start one of these, I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, I have to watch Deep Space Nine. 
It's really hard. I did not hate it this much when it was in first run. Yeah, did we not understand? But because you'll no, because I'm only watching them every couple of weeks. I mean, we were younger, but really bad. But like, I don't know. I don't know, man. I we... think we were excited because it was our first one that we were starting from the beginning. That's true. We did keep, like we, we picked up TNG and... we picked up TNG in the middle. Yeah. Uh, so I have week? done. I have done the total. Oh, so. Okay. Uh, after 11 weeks, uh, we have uh, TNG in the lead yep. with five wins. Good job, TNG. Um, and an average score of 35.7. Uh, so it really underperformed this week. Uh, out of a possible 80. So yep. this week's score of 21 was bad. Yep. Uh, right behind it with four wins uh, and an average score of 34.7. So just one point worse on average is the original series okay that is surprising not generally thought of as a very good show but right I, you know they're doing what they can um next with one win out of 11 weeks is voyager uh with an average score of 31.8 okay behind that with uh one win is enterprise with an average score of 29.5 Right. God, I always forgot that they won, they won that one episode. Was it the Andorian one? I don't remember. Oh, shit. Uh, they remember. won the Andorian incident right. in a bad week. Yes. That was a 36-point week, uh, which was a winner. Actually, it was just a mediocre week, really. Hmm. Uh, and in last place, no wins and the lowest average score at just 29 points is Deep Space Nine. Yeah, it's been a real shit bag so far. And really, I mean, most of them have been pretty bad, of all the series. Right, again, we're talking about scores of in the 30s or 20s out of 80. Like, no one's crushing it. And yeah, I, and, I, and the the range, the average range is only six points different between first and last. Right. Uh, six, 6.7 points. Um, so, they're, they've all been inconsistent, too. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. At this point, TNG is winning. Will it be the case next week? We are watching The Menagerie Part 2. Oh, yeah. We are watching Data Lore. Oh, okay. All right. So, I think we've said some things about Spiner (laughs) that may help you predict our reaction to Data Lore. (laughs) Right. Uh, For Deep Space Nine, we're watching Battle Lines. Sounds cool. Probably won't be. Uh, For Voyager, we're watching Cathexis. Cathexis? I don't think that's a thing. Cathexis? I don't think that's real. Uh, one thing that I meant to say but uh, neglected was this is definitely the last episode of Voyager that I watched in its original run. The one we watched this week. I remember the stoplight aliens. Mm. Uh, so I have seen some other stuff. Like I saw, I've seen the Warp 10 alligators. Where they became catfish alligators. Right. Um. So I've seen moments of Voyager beyond this, but this was the last episode I watched. Okay. Uh, so from Cathexis on, I, I most of the episodes I will have never seen. So you made it, dog! Congratulations. Yeah, it's like your uh, birthday. And for Enterprise, we're watching Dear Doctor. So oh, hope you like Flocks. I don't. That's not good. And speaking of Data's Day, I think I remember which one that is. It's cool. It's real Data's Day. 
All right, everybody. Uh, Please make comments. The mailbags have been really light lately. So tell us what you think, Ryan and Ben and Marjan and anybody else who might accidentally listen to this. Yeah, if you don't, we will fill that time, but it will be with video game music or (laughs) Finnish baseball or something. Yes. So you can tweet us at Brother Date. You can find the show at brotherdate.com and any other ancillary stuff we post there. Um, and uh, well, there's another thing, iTunes. So you can subscribe on the iTunes if you haven't already and leave us a review. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. You gave us the sacred klaxon. Uh, yeah, no, like, you're right. He, then they're it, just like, no, that's it. Just our 20-year check-in? I gave it zero points. <laughs>